water like a criminal undercover don't pop like trouble breaking into your heart like that Ooh. cool shade sonna yeah oh it all to my mother Hello and welcome to the Mildly Pleased Awards 2021. That's right, it's the 10th anniversary of the Mildly Pleased Awards. We've been doing oh this god. for 10 years. Oh my god. A decade of awards. And we're going to pull out all the stops for you tonight in that we're doing the shortest Mildly Pleased Awards ever. <laughs> Well, we and had to get rid of some uh, some categories. Guess we can get to that. But. Yeah, we're we're streamlining. We're becoming more agile, uh, more synergistic. All the business buzzwords. We're we're doing those those things, but we're still at the end of the day doing the one thing that the Molly Please Awards do that no other award show does, and that is celebrate the things that are fine yeah not good not bad just fine uh so it is my uh privilege and honor to introduce the three hosts and only people you're going to hear on this entire podcast we are sean lemmy john otney and colin westman and guys uh are you okay with all the changes we made this year to the mildly pleased awards I think so. I mean, they usually end up being pretty long, maybe too long. Uh, I'm trying to even remember what categories we got rid of. I know we are not doing video games this year. Video games uh, are gone. They got they're out of there. Yeah. Because really, that one's usually just you explaining <laughs> games to us that we're... We 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 can't even get that excited about because you're just telling us that they're fine. They're fine. Uh, and then we also got rid of. Well, we didn't. We got rid of this one last year, which was mildly pleasing events, because the world is too depressing. It's it's no longer mildly pleasing on a consistent basis. Just just all all news stories are pretty sad for the most part yeah hell yeah probably there probably was some mildly pleasing events that we could have thought of like i don't know the the whole game stonk thing was pretty mildly pleasing i guess oh but it turned so bad so fast yeah i'm sure there are others what else do we get rid of tv right we got rid of tv that's right because we no longer have time to watch entire seasons of TV shows that are just totally okay, but not amazing. I would actually argue the real thing is it used to be like we would all kind of be working from the same basic pool of TV shows. And then maybe we would each have some individual fringe shows we want to talk about. And if those weren't top 10 worthy, we could put them on the Miley Please Awards. But now our top tens are like ten different shows for each of us. Like everyone's in their own totally separate pool of, of shows now because there's 180 streaming services instead of the 40 cable channels we used to all work from. It's uh it's just a, like the whole yeah. genre or our medium, I mean to say, is is a mess right now. And 
the 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 days of the water cooler are gone. I would love to look back at the first mildly pleased awards that we did and see how many of the shows are even streaming shows. You know, I bet probably, probably only like one none. or two, right? Or maybe, maybe none. Maybe, and now they're pretty like, much all. Maybe like Lily Hammers on there. <laughs> Lily Hammers. I, I liked Lily Hammers. Did I really? Did they get Miley? Ple- like, I guess it is a pretty cartoony lead performance. It's just a guess. I don't know. But. <laughs> well, I wonder. I can't remember when House of Cards started. I feel like that was an early streaming show that people are like, hey. But no, people liked that, though. At first, yeah. At first, <laughs> probably. You, what, you don't think it holds up? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, John. It might not. Well, while we're talking, that's, I want to find that our. I want to see what our first TV list was ever, in like you know, in memoriam of TV of mildly pleased TV. <laughs> now everything's either amazing or bad. Um, do you oh, do you want me to look it up? I can't look. If it up. you can look it up, all um, right. I I I got it right here. Wow, that Just was fast. Yeah, well, I'd, well, I'd love to hear it. Google the the drive. Okay, so okay. so what year? So this is ten years. This is two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. I think it would be uh, uh, for uh, four eleven. No, right? It would no. Be, could be 2012 because okay because you don't start at year zero you start at year year one yeah because this is the 10th annual not the yep okay so i mean the funner one is looking at events but uh tv okay i gotta hear both now yeah but go with tv shows tv shows are how i met your mother Mm. not surprising i feel like that was a consistent Oh yeah, show to be in the Miley Network in its late recipes. Bob Saget. Uh, It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yep, still on, going, still on. (laughs) Modern Family. Wow, wow. Uh, Another show that's still on South Park, and the winner that year was The Office. (laughs) That's wild, dude. Was that what the last season? Yeah, maybe. Oh my god! <laughs> so not a single streaming show. Most uh, of them were network, yeah. not even a lot of cable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always yeah. sunny was pretty much it, right? And South effects. Park. And South Park. Uh, I I also just love that in events. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of them is one of them's Coney twenty twelve, of course, <laughs> and, uh, and Lynn Sanity. Jeremy wow. Lin. Yeah. Is he I wonder if he's still playing. Look at him up. He might be. I think he is actually. Um no, he's <laughs> playing in, he's playing in uh, a different league. He's playing for a team uh, called s- the Beijing Ducks. Our song was Too Close by Alex Clare, if you remember uh, that. Yeah. Song. I absolutely remember that. Yeah. Does anyone else is the question. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I'll never forget walking into a college classroom and a guy had one of those, like, some speaker coming out of his backpack and he's blasting that song on his way to a biology class. Yeah. Sums it up. Anything else funny in that first year? 
Um, well, it's it's funny that we gave the first one to Guy Pierce for lifetime achievement. Like, <laughs> he doesn't seem like that obvious of a choice for lifetime achievement, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, that kind of feels like us still kind of figuring out that category. Yeah. And of, of course, uh, mildly pleasing movie went to Ted. Wow. If there is anything I have learned from 10 years of doing these awards, it is that uh, there are a lot of uh, actors who have had prodigious careers without ever really being that particularly great. <laughs> because, like, basically every Lifetime Achievement Award we give to some actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so many of them that were, were like, yeah, he's fine. Over and over and over. Yeah, I I wonder if there's ever been anyone we awarded that had a big bounce back into, wow, what their next thing was great. I don't think it's ever happened. Um, I'll 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 check the other list sometime. I'm curious, but I feel like we've we've done pretty well with our selections for the most part. Let's see if we have kept that trend up uh, with our work. Or actually, so so because video games are gone, we get to start with I think our most unique category anymore, uh, <laughs> which are the most mildly pleasing viral videos. In in ten years of doing this, we've never really figured out what criteria we're using to judge these. No, I or... I think we figured it out a few years ago. I think we finally settled on it's just our favorite, right? <laughs> Okay, so you don't know. So no, 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 never mind. We, ne- we never figured it out. I, 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 thought, think it I, is. I thought that was it. I, but, I mean, I, th- I was thinking more about how, like, for a while we were trying to actually do, like, viral, vi- like, found footage, like, viral videos. Like, not yeah, um, comedy sketches or uh, musical performances or any of the other stuff that make up... Um, what was ha- like through the through these ten years? Like we had the rise and fall of Vine, right? And we kind of sidestepped that whole uh, format of uh, viral video. Um, and this year, we've basically given up on that. I, I we have one video on this list that you could call like a genuine viral video in what we were originally going for. Um, Not premeditated. Know. Everything we have an animated <laughs> thing. We have. Uh, you know, a comedian doing a, a sketch on Twitter. Uh, we've got uh, even a extremely well edited cartoon at the end that we got to get through. So uh, maybe I shouldn't beat around the bush and just start talking about the nominees. So the first one is Lanky Kong listens to uh, the DK rap for the first time. So this is a Joel Haver video. He's a filmmaker. Um, who I think has gotten the most attention for his animated videos that are kind of done in a rotoscope style. He has a video where he shows how he does it. It's very interesting. And this is one where he's playing Lanky Kong, almost shooting a reaction video to the first time he's hearing the DK rap. And, you know, the first verse of that talks about how cool DK is. And Lanky Kong's like, yeah, man, he's, he's our leader, man. He really ties the group together. And then, of course, it gets to his section and everything about Lanky Kong is like, He's got. He has no style. He has no grace. He has a funny face, <laughs> and he's just. Oh wow! No, that's not really what I was expecting. And he's like has a <laughs> an angry call to Donkey Kong. 
I like there's one part where he's in the background yelling into the phone like, yeah, and if anyone shoots you with a gun, it's going to hurt, okay? Because there's isn't there one <laughs> character in particular that's like, when he shoots you, it's going to hurt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love these videos. They're, they're, they're very stupid. Some are better than other ones. Um, the animation is incredibly crude, but I think there's a charm to it. And uh hope he keeps it up. Hope hope he gets an adult swim show or something out of this. He definitely deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Like John said, it's it's got this really interesting uh artistic style where he I think what it, it, it is is he draws like some key frames and then lets AI draw in the, the frames in between them. Um, you know, with because there's like real footage under under the animation. Yeah. Um which is, I mean, first of all, a like, what a state of the world we're in that you can just like on your computer be like, hey, I'm gonna use AI to make a cartoon for me. Um, we we've, we've come a long way from guy jumps on frozen pool and hurts his ass. Um, <laughs> hey, that's a classic. <laughs> Did that win? Is that a winner? <laughs> that might have won. If I feel like it wins, <laughs> some like metal dude. <laughs> he does yeah. say something that Hell I remember yeah. we all were like, he's really funny. Metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gosh, um, these but, videos are getting more and more futuristic. I didn't think about that. But yeah. it's also uh, like like John saying, I think this this Joel Haver guy is um you know the next funny guy on the internet. Or maybe maybe he was all maybe he's old news by now. I'm sure he's been doing these for more than a year. Um uh, and uh it's I th- I think it's also really impressive to see how creative uh people can be on this incredibly difficult platform to succeed on, uh where you have to put something out, you know, at least weekly. Yeah. Um to to maintain momentum. And he's he's been doing it. So happy to celebrate that here. Let's talk about game stonk. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I this was I think uh, the only one on this list that like when it came out I was like this is I'm putting this up for Maldi Please Award. Uh, <laughs> I had this one banked. I do remember when it came out. I remember yeah. it too. Yeah, I didn't think I did, but then I was like, I've seen this for some reason. <laughs> Maybe you posted it in our Discord or something when it came out. I, th- I think I did. Mm. Um, so it's. Uh, Avalon Penrose, who is um, uh, an actress and a comedian, uh, I think also a musician. Uh, I don't know. I do not follow her on Twitter, and uh, I have not seen other tweets by her, uh, but this one did go viral uh, in uh, in January when the whole uh, GameStop uh, stock thing started to happen. Uh, and she uh uh it's just her you know you know doing a here's a here's an explainer on what's going on with the game stock thing um but it just immediately turns into her having a breakdown <laughs> like, like she's it seems like she's fighting off tears almost the second she starts actually <laughs> explaining what's going on um and and the way she explains it is is really funny too um, i think my favorite part is that she calls uh, Reddit an online book club. <laughs> I forget. Yeah, that's great. 
all of it. That the hedge fund guys have like hedges around their houses, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they go to the the market, but but it's, but it's not a real market. It's, it's like a meta metaphorical market. <laughs> no, just joke after joke. It's great. It's funny because when you first posted that, I genuinely thought this was going to be somebody <laughs> explaining it, and then just instantly falls apart. It's great. Yeah. You still, Sean? Do you have uh, some GameStop stock still? <laughs> yeah, I I bought I bought one share of GameStop when this kicked off. Um, when I bought into the idea of it's not a get rich quick scheme it's a fuck you to um the one percenters who rule our lives yeah um and this was like the you know there was a sort of populist movement that happened very briefly uh before people were like oh yeah and this but this is also a way for people to waste their money and take advantage of people and all these other horrible things um but as a symbolic fuck you, I bought that one share, and because it exists as just that, I've held on to that one share. What am I going to do with it? All right, next we have a uh, guy on porch, woman in car. Colin, you were you're fighting to keep this on the list. <laughs> why? Why is that? I don't know. I I just remember when this uh, video came out. Uh, it's it's on January sixth. It's just a guy on his porch. Uh, assuming he just lives in Washington, D.C., and he's just, like, screaming at, you know, the people who stormed the Capitol, who I assume aren't there. I don't know who he's screaming at. Maybe he's just, like, screaming just to just to let it all out, his frustration. Yeah, he's pissed. Yeah, he's just like, what are you doing here? Get out of our town. And then there's some... Well, not, they're uh, like, they're, they're wrecking my town, you know? They're tearing down Yeah, the they're wrecking my town. Yeah. Which is a, an important thing to remember. People actually live in Washington, D.C. Uh, and then a lady driving a car just like turns her window down and she's just like agreeing with him. They're like having a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like talking about how this this didn't happen. Uh, or or I guess the, the police actually cared when it was Black Lives Matter protesters and the, the lady driving the car is black and she like starts tearing up. It's There's a lot of emotions going on in this video. Uh, and also it, it it is the one video that feels like, you know, the viral videos we used to put in this category where it's just like a, a moment that was captured by, I assume, someone on the street. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so who is this one. person? Was she know. just filming this guy yelling at no one? And just coincidentally, he... this lady rolled up in her car? Yeah, maybe he'd been yelling for a while. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he must. I hope so. And with good good reason. Mm-hmm. I could watch a whole documentary just of people reacting to that, because it's just one of those things that's just so surreal. Yep. And it's it's interesting to see that perspective instead of you know from the mob perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're a big fan of this next one, Sean. It's uh, what is the full title of it? It's like I can't even read it. 
it's that scene in a Christopher Nolan film when you give up trying to follow the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from another uh, creator that I'm rooting for, another uh, like actor comedian guy. Um, his name is Michael Spicer, uh, and he uh, has done a bunch of videos. I feel like I might have nominated, but maybe we eliminated it uh, in the past. Um, his his series of videos where he um, takes uh, politicians giving speeches and he pretends to be like the voice in their ear like telling them what to say um yeah and you know it's like ironic he's like you know telling donald trump like don't say you have a very good brain (laughs) donald trump says i have a very good brain that sort of thing (laughs) um but this uh this is just more of an actual uh skit where he's uh he's playing two roles uh in a uh, Christopher Nolan movie uh, going through this crazy exposition that um, definitely feels uh, relevant to Tenant, uh, which came out in in 2020. Um, but it's it's it also I think it rings true as a satire of, of all of uh, Nolan's exposition heavy movies, um, and, and I just think it's a funny little uh, let's get. I mean, yeah. Um... The impressions are good. You could tell me this is just the exact scene, Michael Caine scene from Tenet, and I would believe you. Like, it feels incredibly accurate. And yeah, it's great because he keeps asking questions, and every time the Michael Caine guy goes, no, no. And then he just keeps explaining it further and further. And he's all, all his guesses are always wrong. So it's, it's great because it's, it, yeah, you know, it's that frustration we get from watching those kinds of scenes. At, I feel like at the end, they get to a point where, uh, like, he says a name that he'd said before, and he's like, "Oh wait, that's that guy's wife." And he's like, "No, it's it's another person that just coincidentally has the same name." <laughs> so he gets so frustrated. That's great. That is great. I love it. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to nominate was another one I I remember sharing with you guys uh, when I saw it, which was the Legend of Beavis, where someone painstakingly uh, abridged a. Uh, uh, Zelda cartoon and then um, replaced all the dialogue of uh, Link with Beavis and uh, the King of Hyrule with Butthead Um, which and then it for some reason turns into a C-Lab 2021 thing or whatever was it wait was it C-Lab 2021 do we just yeah do we oh it did yeah yeah you're right forgot about that we're, we're past c-lab um, <laughs> but man did did uh this guy do an impeccable job i said guy i don't know it could have been could have been anybody could have been a team of people um i i it, it's been had been a long time since i had like watched any abuse and butthead stuff so um being reminded of what those characters were like and then seeing it in this context uh, was a lot of fun for me. This, this was a real treat. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of uh, like a very old school genre of viral video of like dubbing in old crappy cartoons, like like those old GI Joe videos, or like the yeah the thunder the Thundercats one, or the the I'm the Juggernaut bitch. Video. Yeah. Like, yeah. Charles, remember my helmet, Charles. <laughs> like, 
I'm glad, I'm glad this uh, this brought back that that idea. But instead, combine two cartoons instead of dubbing one over. My favorite part is when the king gets uh, kidnapped, and he just and he says, "Beavis, I must say, I'm disappointed in you." <laughs> Great. I like shortly after that when uh, Link gets knocked off of the like Griffin they're riding off on, and Butthead goes, "Whoa, you're definitely going to hell." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this guy, it definitely got me, like, excited for New Beavis and Butthead, and I know we're getting some of that, some more of that soon. I think a movie is the next uh, Beavis and Butthead project. Because yeah. I, I, I forget a about a lot of their mannerisms. Like, one of my favorite Beavis things, how Beavis always goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really well done, very funny, enjoyed it a lot. I was impressed by how long it was, too. It's like, God, this must have taken forever. Jesus. Yeah. All good, all funny, but you know, when we were talking about these, talking about the guy on porch, woman in car, and the fact that it's a real viral video, and the fact that it's so relevant in the year that it came out, I don't know, that kind of, that was really selling me, if I just have to put in a suggestion for for who wins. It is the least funny of all of these. (laughs) It is the least funny. But it's so real. It is it real. It is real. Um, I, I, yeah, I would say either that one or, or maybe The Legend of Beavis. I feel like we all like that one quite a bit. I do like it quite a bit. What do you think, Sean? Oh, man, they're opposites. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think Guy on Porch, Women in Car will hold up as something people will want to return to i mean i guess it's a it's a year on now does it still feel relevant and powerful to you now it does but that is a good question like five years ten years down the line i i can't really say <laughs> since what are we judging the viral videos on their, their call it con- <laughs> we, we, we just referenced the i'm the juggernaut bitch that came out in what it's like true. 2005 or something that they they can really have staying power. It's surprising. I mean, well, I'm just thinking because like last year I had that. I think it was last year, right? The Avengers Endgame, but someone had edited it in with a bunch of Democrats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where I like the, the fun of that was it was so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but but I would say now that video is so embarrassing I couldn't bear to watch it. Like it it's. Like the ironic pleasure is gone, and now it's just pure cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's a problem that Guy and Porch, Women in Car will have, uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's just something to consider. Like, if, where whereas Legend of Beavis will probably be as good going forward, unless it's like it turns out that this is like an alt right YouTube account or something that I never noticed. <laughs> Um, looking up the origin of Legend of Beavis. Uh, it's done by video editor Khalid Shaheen. Well, apparently he's done other videos. I can't remember if I checked out any other ones. Zelda cartoon listening and character masking largely done by Shaheen's sister to various clips. Oh. So it's maybe like a brother and sister that made this? That's nice. 
That that makes me like it more. <laughs> I guess. I don't. I will say I'm not a huge fan of the C Lab bit at the end. Yeah. yeah, goes a little off the rails. Otherwise, it's perfect. Um, I'm, I'm fine. I, when I rewatch it, I skip the C Lab. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't watch that once part. or twice. I don't watch that part. <laughs> but I still watch a lot of it. I'm fine with Legend of Beavis. All right, sure. All right. Maybe Guy on Porch will. Maybe there'll be some other horrific event and he'll show up next year. Or this year, I mean. <laughs> Great. Look, yeah, looking I forward to that. I, I'm not. I, I've learned not to bet against horrific events happening. No. So. Yeah. Uh, congratulations yeah. to uh, Khalid Shaheen. Uh, you have your viral video of the year, our 10th annual viral video of the year. Um, so, in our next category will be the uh the most mildly pleasing album of the year and uh the first uh nominee we have i will i will i'll I'll say up front these are all artists who have made albums we've liked in the past uh probably a, a surefire way to get on this list is to be a familiar artist um but I would say probably yeah, the one the usually is. the one who's maybe the most familiar uh, to me is, is Courtney Barnett, who is our first nominee with her album "Things Take Time, Take Time," because guys, I cannot put a finger on what's wrong with this. Like, it really just seems like it's more of exactly what makes Courtney Barnett good. But I just, I, I'm, I'm unmoved by it this time for some reason. Does anyone have a theory for why that is? Hmm. I didn't hear it. No, but I mean, this this happens. If it, I mean, if an artist does, because that's the thing. As you said, she's just kind of doing the same thing. There's no, there's no real like artistic uh, growth or or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's it's just a, a matter of her just kind of making the same kinds of albums, writing the same kinds of songs, uh, which of course worked great on her first album. Like I, that 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 was my number one album of twenty fifteen or whenever that that came out. I just I just loved it. And the second one, you know, I still liked, not quite as much. And then this one, yeah, I I, I listened to it twice and <laughs> both times I just. Never really connected with it. Yeah, I guess it's, I just need something a little new from her, mm. and that's mm-hmm. that, that's all I can really say. Because <laughs> I, I am still a little perplexed, like why it it didn't do much for me. Uh, would you say that "Chemtrails Over the Country Club" by Lando Ray had the same problem? A little bit, yeah, because she's she had that uh, Norman fucking Rockwell album come out a few years ago, which yeah. was great. That was the one that like really sold me on her. This one is pretty similar, just like less ambitious and honestly feels kind of less. <laughs> like plugged into the culture especially when it got delayed a bunch and then got released during the 
uh, early parts of this year. I think it was recorded before the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> and, it, and it also is an album that uh, definitely... Uh, proved my theory that I think artists should make one album with Jack Antonoff and then, <laughs> you know, not, not not make a second. Because whenever he makes a second album with an artist, it's usually mildly pleasing. Uh, Weird. And uh, also, yeah, Lana Del Rey did end up coming up with another album later this year uh, called Blue Bannisters, which I did like. A little better and it was not made <laughs> with Jack Antonoff um, so there you go uh, <laughs> our next you album, really cracked the code on on the, on my problem with daddy's home by st. Vincent right there that helped same same Thank thing you, I really liked the first album he made with her that that one from this year I guess it may, maybe it was a I liked it a little more than mildly pleasing, but still not not one of my favorite St. Vincent albums. Anyways, while we're on the topic of Jack Antonoff, let's talk about Lord Solar Power. Oh, he did this a- one too? Also, yeah, also the second album that everywhere. Jack Antonoff did with Lord. Uh, you know, the last album they did together, Melodrama. Is, uh, it's it's fantastic. It's one of the one of the best pop albums of the 2010s. Uh, just a great album. Uh, so I believe Rolling Stone puts that as one of the great albums of all time. Sure, why not? Uh, obviously, because of that, there was uh, a bunch of hype for this album. Uh, also, it it took a while to finally come out, and when it did. It was just, it was just kind of whatever. <laughs> like, it's like kind of pleasant. It's it's very laid back. It's it's not half as like moody or brooding as as melodrama was, or even the first Lord album. Which I guess is fine because it means she's like happier now. But it it just doesn't translate to that compelling of songs. And. I- you know that's that's also on Lord. It's not just Jack Antonoff's doing. Like he she, she, he clearly produced the album that she wanted, uh, but I just can can get into it. I never even finished it, and I love Lord <laughs> Melodrama. I looked it up; it was my number three uh, favorite album of 2017. I saw her live in concert. I played mm. a couple tracks from this. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to the rest later. I never did. I was just, it was, it was kind of boring. It wasn't bad. It just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the hype. I mean, I, and just, I don't know. You expect, I expect something different. Just, not, I don't know. I didn't expect this. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this was different. <laughs> it's definitely a it different It was different, sound, but not but, in the way I wanted but it to be, I guess. Yeah. All time right. for happy pop music is over. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that entirely, but maybe. Maybe. Um, I feel kind of bad putting this one on here, because I think Slater Kenny's last album won the Mildly Pleased Award of, like, 2018 or 19 or something. But, uh... 
They put out another one this year, Path of Wellness, uh, without their longtime drummer, Janet Weiss. And it's perfectly fine. It's more of a back-to-basics, just doing kind of a, a, a rock album after their last one kind of delved into more, like, pop or electronic influences. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just fine. I'm, I'm not mad at it for being fine. <laughs> like, you know, it's just two musicians that enjoy making music together. And that's that's okay, even if it doesn't really break any ground that they haven't covered already uh yeah i don't i don't have much to say about it john tell me about weezer's two albums from two this year. albums from this year yeah uh van weezer is supposed to come out last year but they for some reason they really wanted to coincide with their uh their big hella mega tour they were doing with green day and fallout boy so they postponed that so that ended up coming out second so at the beginning of the year, they released OK Human. And my thing about OK Human mm-hmm. is that I think the songs on it are great, but they're all done with like orchestral backing. And I hate that mm-hmm. they did that. If they'd just done it with guitars, I think that would be a great album. But I hate the arrangement. <laughs> I think the songs are good. The orchestral thing, it just it wears on me a little bit. And is it, it deliberately yeah. a reference to Radiohead's OK Computer? It must be, right? Like, I don't... I don't, I guess. Like, what are they trying to say about an album that's got to be 25 years old? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whereas that, I guess that is an album that's made using a lot of technology. This one's using, like, orchestral instruments. Maybe it's, it has something to do with it being a more organic production. I, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. But that's, um, that's a good question. I'm sure there's an answer for it somewhere. And then Van Weezer, I mean, you can kind of tell what they're going for just based off the title. This is like their tribute to Van Halen-esque 80s arena rock. And it's fun. It, I, it's, I mean, I don't know if they needed a whole album in that style. A couple songs are pretty good. A couple songs are not as good. I feel like there's a lot of songs on it, too, that are credited to um, other songs. Like, they, like they kind of ripped off some famous riffs. I can't remember some of the riffs in question, but they kind of ripped some off and, um, and like, okay, whatever. This is just how it sounds. We'll just credit those artists. I know our, our, our fr- friend of the podcast, uh, Matt, Nancy Carson's big fan of this album. I know we considered going to the hella mega tour, but of course with COVID it seemed kind of sketchy. Um, plus, I mean, I've seen, I've already seen Weezer, so I'm good on that front. Wow, we've seen a lot of these bands live, haven't we? Just realize. Uh, yeah. Except for Lana Del Rey, right? So these are these are artists we like. Just, uh, you know, they're just not their best efforts. <laughs> just okay. Yeah. So who comes out on top? I haven't listened to most of these. <laughs> It really feels like it's Colin's call. Yeah. Is it? I think it is. I don't know. Like, going into this, I figured solar power was the big one. (laughs) But now it it almost feels more like a disappointment. Uh, Yeah, let's just give it to solar power. All right. It's good, because I... That butt was staring at me 
whenever I looked at my music library for a good chunk of this year. So yeah, so. it's definitely an album I'll remember when I think of 2021 music, even though I'm not thinking of the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So our next uh, category is still in the realm of of music. We're going to talk about um our f- most mildly pleasing song of the year. And, uh, and, and boys, let me tell you, <laughs> uh, because of my internet problems, I've not heard all of these yet. So uh, I'm going to really need you to talk me through this experience, <laughs> especially with uh, our first one, BTS's Butter. You didn't hear Butter, Sean? I don't think so. I feel like it was pretty popular earlier in the year. That's kind of their, uh, this is a BTS song, of course. Their, their big song of the year. Mostly in English, if I recall. It might all be in English. And it's, you know, singing about being smooth like butter. And it's got, you know, the rap parts and the, the slick pop parts. And it's it's fine. I have no problem with, with BTS. I'm a little overwhelmed by how many members they have. Just cause, like, there's so many guys switching off to parts. I don't know. It just seems like so overkill. There's, too, there's so many There's so many nice, handsome boys. It's just too much. Um, but the song's fine. It's kind of fun. Um, it's just not, I don't know. I'm not really my, I've never been a big boy band guy. I, 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 as you know, as I've gotten older, I don't really mind like bands like One Direction or BTS anymore. It's not like when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, corporate fuck, fuck that shit. Uh, don't really care. They seem like good guys. Um, big fan of their, uh, their McDonald's meal. I think out of all the celebrity McDonald's meals, uh, I gotta give BTS the win. Uh, just because they had the Korean-inspired sauces, which was something new and mm. something special. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember what else they had. That was it chicken nuggets. It was just chicken nuggets, but it, it, really the only difference was, was there's two uh, special dipping sauces. There's like some sort of Did they, mustard. Were you assigned and, a specific soda? I think it was. I think it was Coke. I can't remember if it was Coke or Sprite. It was. It, there was a specific soda. Of course, every time I tried to order one of these meals, I had to piece it together from memory. Because the uh, the cashiers never had any idea what I was talking about. Um, we were talking off podcast, Colin, a while back about how it, it seemed like a missed opportunity to not include butter in this meal. <laughs> they should have come out with the McButter yeah. Burger or something. They should have. Gross, though. <laughs> I feel like somebody like Jack in the Box has something that was like oh, butter burger. Yeah, so they did. So they did. it's not outside the realm of possibility. That. It could happen. I just want something called the Mick Butter. Adding it is a good more name. fat. Yeah, but I just those guys are, sure are, are, are so are so trim. I I just don't think they'd ever eat something like that. Maybe it could come with some butter dipping sauce for your nuggets. You know they eat a lot of beef in Korea. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Where they fuck around? Butter. You know who also fucked um, around this year? They actually did a song with BTS. I could have picked that song, but I, I picked. I was a their... little surprised. Yeah, it was very because I'd actually heard that song. I didn't really know this one. <laughs> Should we have gone with that one? My universe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, we had Coldplay's Higher Power. Uh, now we're switching it to My Universe. The exact same song in my mind. <laughs> Uh, it seems like Cold Coldplay has been nominated. I feel like a, uh, many times for this oh, category. Yeah. They're definitely nominated, probably in the album category also. Yeah, 
They they were nominated for a song off of their last album, I remember. Their album Everyday Life. That was just a bunch of like whoa. I, I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's that kind of music. Uh, whereas it seems like Coldplay's direction on this album, which I have not heard, I've only heard a few of the singles, was uh, they're in the future now. Like all their uh, music videos are super futuristic with like robots and holograms. Uh, if we're changing this to My Universe, which is their song to do with BTS, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it is. Um,. In the music video for that, it's like they're a hologram performing for BTS, and then B- then we see BTS as a hologram on the other side. And it's just so weird to see Coldplay in this space. Like, it's not bad, but it's like, are you guys like a rock band? Like, what happened? Like, just give up you on know that? What, what I thought the other day listening to this is it feels like Coldplay... Much like their heroes, U2. It's almost like they entered the same space that U2 was in when they made that pop album, but they just never left. <laughs> they never went back to their like more rock sound the way U2 did in the early 2000s. They just kept trying the pop thing for some reason. And it, and it won't end. I don't, I don't know why. Because of money. Even when they try to do quotations rock, it feels wrong now, though. Remember that song mm-hmm. that was pretty popular from a few years ago, Adventures of a Lifetime? Where it was like almost like disco music or something. It's like it was very heavy on the guitar, but it just. Yeah. They haven't done like a real bona fide, just like pop rock song. I feel like since, I don't know, Viva La Vida, I guess. And even that was, you know, kind of its own thing. You know, for the longest time, I I would say, like, you know, as much as I don't like the newer Coldplay stuff, I think I'd still go to a Coldplay show, like, in this day and age. But now that they've done, like, a a pop song with uh, BTS, like, I don't know now. I'm I'm starting to reconsider. Uh, Somebody tell me about Fretland. Fretland is a band from Snohomish that put out, I think, their first album this year. Um, And I thought it was fine, like aggressively fine. Um, It's sort of a country folky alternative thing. Uh, But the opening track, Could Have Loved You, which is also their single, I think, is pretty great. And so since I had no context whatsoever to talk about them, since like I'm not going to write a whole goddamn review of this album back in December when Colin was doing that, uh, I put it up for here so you guys could hear this one song from a local band. What would you think? It was fine. A little boring. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Which means it's perfect in this category. <laughs> There you go. Uh, yeah. There you have I, it. I was I was surprised to see a song on here that had only like a, a few thousand YouTube hits because we usually put these huge pop songs. Yeah, this, this could category. be great promotion for them, right? Yeah. To our spam bot army yeah. of fans. <laughs> Look them up at fretlandtheband.com. They're from here. That's cool. Well, now we're calling this. 
Well, not really where John or I is, but close enough. It's close enough, and that's cool. Good for them. Um, Silk Sonic. Super group. Super duo, you guys. Bruno Mars, Anderson, Pack. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm surprised. I remember when uh, this song came out, I was like, I'm going to check out that album. And then the, the album came out um, so much longer after that song was announced. <laughs> I totally lost interest. Like, by that time, the song had worn on me. I think I'm getting a little burnt out on this, like, we're doing a retro thing. Yeah. It's like a fun thought, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't really want a lot of that. <laughs> it's, it's good as one and, song, though. Yeah, it's good. I like the whole album. I'm definitely more interested in Anderson Pack doing something like this than Bruno Mars. I've tried to get into Bruno Mars a handful of times, and I don't know. There's just something about him. I find him it's just got a little boring. Even though he's very energetic performer, he tries a lot of different styles. Maybe just Bruno Mars fatigue. Yeah. Even though I don't know that he's been doing that much. I don't know. You know, you know. One thing I noticed, I, 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 um, I got less interested in Bruno Mars, um, when the weekend became a thing. Mm. Just because I feel like he filled a like a better space for that kind of like singer who could like who has the the chops to be like a Michael Jackson esque performer. Yeah, because like the weekend usually feels like he's doing something like uniquely his own and Bruno Mars just feels like he's kind of copying Michael Jackson and, and other artists like there's something a little kind of bland about his music where I'm just like who is yeah. who is the real Bruno Mars why are you uh, though The weekend is also in this category mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even know this song until you suggested it Colin I, at least I don't think so um, seems like it's kind of the thing he's been doing lately. Yeah, it's like a little dance here, a little bit upbeat. It seems like it's very much about autoerotic asphyxiation, which feels on brand for him. Yeah. Oh my, so this is a new album, too? This is on a new album? I think it is. It was the first uh, oh my song on the new album, which I haven't gotten around to listening to. I didn't yet. even know. I didn't even know. No? Have you seen the album cover? It's really fantastic. Where he looks all old. Yeah, Sean. It's just yeah. it just it's just Bruno Mars and or not Bruno Mars. <laughs> confused. It's Bruno that Mars. That would be great. That would be it's just Bruno Mars. <laughs> Looking super sad. extra confusing. <laughs> no, it's just the weekend and old man makeup. This is this is perfect for us. So that's his new oh, thing. Yeah. He's done with being beat up. Now he's old. Um, I guess I'm a little discouraged by this first uh, little tidbit here. It features narration by Jim Carrey. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Not excited to hear this now. I guess this is going to be like that one Bright Eyes album that had that old man in between songs talking about pomegranates. Um, I don't know, man. I'll, I, I'll give it a shot, though. Like, God, that one album. Uh, what's it called? I'm clicking back a couple. That was a handful of years ago. 
Beauty Behind the Madness. I remember that made my top ten the year that came out. That's still an album I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Kissland's a great album too. So, yeah, I'm always down to check check out whatever he's got going. But I'm not sure if what he's doing with this new song is different enough. But it, it's fine. Yeah. Still, rather listen to this than a whole Bruno Mars album. I don't care how much old man makeup they put on him. I'm just not interested. <laughs> They can make him look a thousand years old. But can um, they give him the Mildly Pleased Award for Most Mildly it's Pleasing a good Song? It's a good question. It's funny that BTS has two opportunities to win this. Yeah. Honestly, I, I kind of I like Butter. I feel like it's a little too good. Okay, it's too good, too good. <laughs> um... Uh, could give it to Coldplay. I guess Silk Sonic is maybe they, the favorite for me. Maybe just because, yeah, like, um, you're right. The okay. it's it's a it's a good song, but at the same time, the retro gimmick is uh, I don't know doesn't doesn't make it feel like anything special. And the Fortnite connection. Yeah, it has a Fortnite dance. I li- I like that connection. Let's it's got to win now. Okay. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> That's where our true allegiances lie. <laughs> Alright, Tom, on to our weirdest category. Maybe best category? Yeah. Maybe I our feel, best category. I feel like sometimes we we pre-decide this in advance and just give it to someone like other awards shows do. Uh, uh, yeah. Only if it's an if it's an election year. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so look forward to that in twenty twenty four. The midterm year, so we are going to be going over the nominees for lifetime achievement in mild pleasure. Um, and uh, it sounds be... so weird. Put what like... do you guys think the 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 award statue for that looks like? Have we talked about this before? Is it like a hand kind of doing that thing where you're like, eh, maybe you know, like in the middle, <laughs> or just like shrugging? It's like a, a, it's a, a shrug. A statue it's like a, a shrug. shrug. It's like a shrug, but the the statue's smiling though. <laughs> He's smiling with the shrug. It's like a fun thing. It's like, oops, okay, it's okay though. It's fine. I like it. The the pleasy. Um, and so our first uh, nominee uh, are the Foo Fighters, the whole band. Uh, not not just. Dave Grohl on his own. We're giving it to the Foo Fighters. I guess we're focusing on just that project for Dave Grohl. As maybe maybe Dave Grohl too powerful on his own. Too powerful. Well, Dave Grohl on his own certainly doesn't deserve a mildly pleased award because he's in Nirvana. He's guested on a lot of great albums and tracks. Seems like a very yeah. He's a likable guy. How can you not root for Dave Grohl, the person? But Foo but Fighters. I've never, I've never been a huge Foo Fighters fan. I'm curious to see where you weigh in on this, Colin. Have you ever been a big Foo Fighters fan? I was, actually, when I was, like, 10 years old. <laughs> I remember I bought the CD of There Is Nothing Left to Lose, I think. 
Um, but then I got into like the Beatles and the Who and like actual good music, <laughs> and so I, was, uh, I I remember at one point I gave that CD to our friend Matt because he had, was getting into the Foo Fighters, and I was like, I'm over them. I'm twelve now. Um, but I think I think after that I did actually listen to the color and the shape because uh, Matt was just such a big Foo Fighters guy at that point, uh, and I like that album. I, I mean, I think all, I, I've heard a handful of their early albums, and I think they're enjoyable. Like. It's it's not like the best alternative rock of that era, but no, I think it's you know you could argue it's it's some of the best alternative rock that's also that commercial and had like a mainstream appeal. Um, but then they just kept going; they just stuck around, <laughs> uh, putting out albums I didn't listen to, di- didn't really care about um i don't i don't care how many how many confessions you've got to make dave Grohl. i'm not gonna listen to more of your albums uh see i that's where see i'm disagreeing with you there colin because in your honor won me back i feel like i i became a bigger foo fighters fan at that point in like late junior high early high school Mm -hmm. um because uh, I, I, th- I think probably the, the the Foo Fighters thing I've listened to the most was their uh, acoustic live album, Skin and Bones, mm-hmm. which is from around that era. Uh, and I was like, wow, this, the, these songs are actually like so deep. <laughs> it's not just pop alternative rock stuff. There's, there's so much going on there. They can play it acoustic and it's still good, just like Nirvana did. Um <laughs> Uh, as opposed to like not giving a shit about uh, one by one or whatever the album was before, mm-hmm. uh, and then like certainly single, none of the albums that came after. Uh, Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace, I think was was one of the ones that I remember pre-ordering on iTunes to get the bonus tracks. Um, kind of regret that, uh, but that's that is very much of a, of a time for me. The, uh, the idea of pre-ordering music on, on iTunes. Um, yeah, I, I, I still have warm feelings about... I think I feel about Foo Fighters the way John feels about Coldplay. Um, <laughs> except I'm, I'm... Except I don't even bother to check out when they put out new music. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to like it. I know. <laughs> but there's still like a part of me that's like, should I go see Foo Fighters? Mm, the answer is no, probably not. No. Here's a question, Sean: Are you going to watch the Foo Fighters' new movie trailer? Just dropped uh, the day we're recording this. Studio six six six. Is this a narrative movie? It's a narrative film starring and conceived by the Foo Fighters. Wow. Okay. Um, so our, I guess this is a question I need to ask that I didn't know. Are there permanent Foo Fighters? That aren't Dave there, Grohl? There has been for the past few albums. Hasn't? Um, obviously uh, Dave Grohl. Nate Mendel? Is that his name? Is that the bass their player? Bass player? Yeah, he's... He's been there since Color in the Shape, right? Uh, I think he might have been... The first album's all Dave Grohl, but then... Okay, yeah. 
So then he probably came in on the second album. Well, he, well, the thing is, I thought the first album was all Dave Grohl, but then I remember there's music videos from that album that have a band. So, well, it I, like I, somewhere in the middle. The the way I remember it is he did the album, and then he's like, "Well, I want to, I want this to be a band and like tour with it." So he like put a band yeah. together. Yeah. Pretty quick. Um. So yeah, Nate Mendel's been there the whole time, and Taylor Hawkins has been there since Color, maybe after color in the shape i feel like everyone's always yeah. joining after an album because <laughs> right. he's in the he's in the everlong video but i'm pretty sure dave Grohl plays drums on that album yeah um and then pat smear rejoined like five six years ago and it's fun to see pat smear because he just looks so old and he seems like he's having a lot of fun i'm sorry what's his and name pat smear <laughs> you see the thing about pat smear sean i never, I know, sounds like pat I never smear, thought though. of that it does sound like pat smear <laughs> Well, I think it's a I think it's a stage name, so I'm sure it's intentional. That makes sense. But He's a punk rocker. Remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Sean, or know this, but he was like probably going to join Nirvana had they kept going because he he'd become their touring guitarist and he plays at the uh, I think it's, is he is it the Unplugged show as well? Yeah. He's... Yeah. So he was like their go to guy, like their go to second guitarist. So this wow. is kind of like. Re, you know he goes way back with Dave Grohl, so it's cool that he's he's back in the band these days, and he just looks so old. He's sixty two. His hair is magneto white, cool. and he's, he just seems like he's having a lot of fun. And there's some other guys that I don't know who they are. There's so many guys in this band. He's so old at sixty two, and I don't think Dave Grohl's that old. But Dave Grohl's got to be in his fifties by now, right? Dave Grohl is fifty two. And he looks like, great. He's been a dad for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, but you guys haven't watched the trailer to Studio 666. No, stop asking oh, me no, that. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, I just think it's... Isn't it weird? Yeah, I don't know why. Is, with, with that title, is Dave Grohl playing the devil in this? So him and the guys... With not a lot of help from, it seems like there's probably other actors showing up as like neighbors okay. and bit parts. Okay, so it's but, it's, it's, it's one of those movies where the band is the band. Yeah, it's like a hard day's night, basically. <laughs> um, you know, you got you got Jeff Garland recently canceled as their manager. <laughs> uh oh, good time. I see Will Forte pops up. Whitney Cummings is their neighbor. Um, but no, mostly the guys, and they go to. Um, this uh, house in California to record their new album, and then Dave Grohl gets possessed and starts like killing the other guys, and they have to like fight him with a spell. Um, and I, even from this trailer, you, I can tell the performances are not good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Doesn't seem like anyone's really saying much aside from Dave. Mm-hmm. And I like Dave, but I don't know that he's a great actor. He's just kind of screaming a lot. Um, it looks bad. I, I assume this will get like a kind of like a limited like fathom event thing, mm-hmm. and then you can probably just rent it. That's my guess. What's going to happen? Is Tenacious uh, D in it? I don't. I'm looking through the cast right now. I I feel like I would have already known that. They're going to be in there, John. It's going to be. There, a there would be in the. Oh, a cameo? Yeah, maybe. Um. Well, they're not credited yet, but. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of info on this movie. I, it's just, I, I just hard to believe this is even like 90 minutes. This has got to be like, what, 45 minutes long? It doesn't <laughs> look like a feature-length film. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Also forgot to mention, as of this year, they are Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
inductees. Hmm. Which is weird. Nice. It is weird. I do think, um, despite the fact that I'm fairly indifferent to Foo Fighters outside of Color in the Shape, which I like, it does seem like they've inspired a lot of people, particularly people our age that were like, you know, 10, 9, 8 when this came out. Like, there's a lot of kids that grew up on the Foo Fighters and love the Foo Fighters. So I yeah. think they definitely have had their influence on musicians and just music fans in general. Plus, they are my Hot Tub Time Machine band. Um, which I guess I should explain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if yeah. you remember the movie Hot Tub Time Machine, barely. Uh, yeah, it's great. Craig sure. Robinson's character uh, gets to rewrite his future by performing the hit songs of existing artists uh, from the future uh, in in the past because he gets to go back in time with a hot tub. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I am my my perfect plan for if uh, if I get set back in time is to preempt the Foo Fighters, hopefully by saving Kurt Cobain's life, and then the Foo Fighters never happen, and then I will record all the Foo Fighters songs because they'll be mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty good, actually. You know, I've I've thought about before what band I would pretend to be if I travel back in time. I've had the same scenario play out in my my brain as well, and I think I, I wouldn't be able to take it to the same level of popularity. But I think if I travel back in time and try to be the White Stripes uh, earlier, I think it could be at least like a cool underground thing. Be like, oh, you guys, you guys hear about this band from like the early '90s, like late '80s, like the White Stripes? They're like really weird. The like, I don't think I, I'm not talented enough to take them. Yeah. To the level that Jack White took him to, but yeah, I think it'd be like a cool art art house band that people would be talking about. See, because that's the that's the thing. It's like anyone could be Meg White, but it's hard to be Jack White. But also, anyone could be the Foo Fighters. That's why they're <laughs> such a perfect target. Anyone could be all right. I do. If you're just some random guy and you recorded Everlong, I feel like people could be drawn to that because I feel like that song does have some some power to it. And I think it'd be I'm a lot guy, harder for me to sell Seven Nation Army. If if I'm the guy who saved Kurt Cobain's life, I could still like write my hero and be like, is it about Kurt Cobain? Just for a weird, different reasons. Now, now I'm just thinking <laughs> about what the name of the yesterday-style movie would be called. Would it be called Everlong? Would it be called Days Like These? <laughs> would it be called My right? Hero? Times, times Like These? Or Times Like These? Mm. Um... I like say. times like these. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, are you going to have to remember all the words or are you just going to make up new ones? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, if I if I can, if I get to like plan it out, if I get to choose when I go in the hot tub time machine, I'll just print it all out and have it all ready to go. But I feel like I could noodle my way through, you know, a dozen Foo Fire songs. Well, the thing about, because I've thought out this scenario a lot, is you can make that first album basically a greatest hits. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be exactly like the color and the shape or the or the debut Foo Fighters album. It could just be all the ones that you like and are the best. So it is nothing but hits. And just never live up to it. Feel yeah. one album no, just, wonder. Yeah, do that, and then everyone's always trying for another one. <laughs> and then you're desperately trying to remember a couple other Foo Fighters <laughs> tracks. Uh, uh, how did the Pretender go? Uh. <laughs> 
one of these things is not like the other. Um, our next uh, lifetime achievement nominee is another uh, a group. But relic of the nineties. <laughs> this one also a relic of the nineties. This one uh, is not even um, a, like a small group. This is a whole TV show. Um, it's it's the TV show Friends. Um, I I wanted to nominate this because there was the big, huge, massive deal that was the the Friends reunion special um, on. Uh, Oh God! Was it on HBO? I don't even know what it service was. it was, it was. on. Yeah. No, you're right. Because <laughs> I uh, once I learned that it was just a reunion thing and not a new episode, I lost all interest in that, and I realized that's how I feel about all of Friends at this point. It's um, a a absolutely deserved to be beloved show. Uh, it was uh, massive in its time. Uh, I am someone who is still dedicating. A lot of his life to watching uh, old must-see TV, having just watched all of ER uh, in in 2021. Uh, so it's not like I'm above uh, white NBC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just it just feels uh, you know uh, e- extremely dated at this point. Um, and maybe it'll come back around. You know, we we had fun watching. Uh, cheers 10 15 years ago um so maybe maybe we'll get past the the the, the cringe level and get all the way into you know this is just uh, uh it's old and things were different back then uh type of appreciation when it comes to friends um which uh i think probably another part of the problem uh is that the the format of uh sitcoms about a group of people that hang out has still persisted sort of miraculously even though the style has changed uh especially a group of friends that hang out in new york city um but uh i still have a a lot of warm feelings for the the six main actors on friends uh i still want to see all of them succeed uh, even David Schwimmer, uh, despite all the Ross hate, the relentless Ross. Hate. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Our I've culture. spent a lot of my time defending Ross Geller because I, I, feel, like, I you know, <laughs> feel like you appreciate him more than most people do. Ross has funny scenes. He's not always a drip. Uh, he does suck a lot of the time. He is uh, mostly a bad person. I do agree with you. He can be funny for sure. Yes, and I don't think a there's person. a problem with having a friend in the group who kind of sucks. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just sometimes I mean, he sucks too much. Think so. Rachel is the main character of Friends, right? That, that's your and, theory. And and Ross is her Janice. So like, of course, of course you're gonna kind of hate him. What? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to. I don't want that to taint david schwimmer because obviously he's been a part of, of a lot of things that i really liked and what comes to mind immediately is is band of brothers uh where he is uh a f- phenomenal piece of shit asshole that everyone hates in that show um, he's good at it but uh also uh you know he was a, a wonderful part of a of the first season of american crime store as well the oj season of that mm-hmm. so uh i'm not beefing with david schwimmer at all he's 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 great 
Um, and, and yeah, I think I think Friends is important and deserves to be beloved. Uh, and it's also problematic. Um, sure. And, and it's also we can retire it. We can put it away for now. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I um, I watched a decent amount of Friends this year. Because I had watched a bunch of the earlier seasons like a year or two ago. <laughs> and I keep, me and my girlfriend keep coming back to it occasionally. And this year we got pretty serious being like, Let's, we're going to get through the later seasons. And it, it like definitely does get pretty bad <laughs> in the later seasons. Uh, which, you know, happens with most shows. But there's like a pretty big drop off after about season five or six uh yeah just like yeah, a, I, I feel a lot like... of a lot of a lot of gay jokes which is yeah. weird because one of the creators was gay uh just like kind of lazy writing I, I don't know if the writing was ever the strongest component of the show i think in the early seasons what's so great is just how phenomenal the chemistry uh, between those actors is but after a while, you know, they could only take it so far. <laughs> so, so since you've been uh, returning to it, my perception at the time, as someone who's watching it every week, mm-hmm. was that when Chandler and Monica got together and that was so popular, yeah, um, the, the show, which already had a will they, won't they, with Ross and Rachel, at that point shifted the balance to... Uh, I mean, not I'm not like not full like, you know, comedy drama, but like making the relationships a serious part of the show, um, as opposed to just another source of comedy for you know being a relatable show about being a twenty something finding your way in the world. I think that's basically true, because the early seasons have a lot of you know. Hijinks, just like going on weird New York adventures types of episodes. But by the end, it seems like everyone's just trying to get into a stable relationship. Yeah, and that's just not as fun, and the the comedy is just not as good, and so it's just pretty whatever. But the the show at its peak, it's it's perfectly enjoyable. It's not as good as some of the other great sitcoms from that era. From from the white NBC era, um, but it's 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 still a very fun show. Anyways, let's move on. We're, we're taking a long time with this guy. <laughs> Do we need to even right. talk about Keanu Reeves? He's a mainstay of this category. We put him in here because he had he had a new Matrix movie come out this year. <laughs> He's still a presence S- somehow. <laughs> Year after year, yeah, he stays in our Bill, hearts. Bill and, Bill and Ted was last year, right? Yeah, twenty twenty. The the back. Yeah. Out. So he's he's been back. He's been revisiting his old work lately. Um, you know, he's everybody loves him. He's just, just someone you want to root for. <laughs> but I, I think the conversation it at this point it's. Are we going to give it to him and finally stop having this conversation? Or are we going to say, we love him too much, he's never going to win, and permanently take him out of contention for this one? Um, 
We'll see. I think it's well, possible yeah. considering I thought the Foo Fighters might be a lock, but I think Sean may be too big of a a foo a foo head himself for it to win. <laughs> Well, I think we have some time to think about it with Keanu because I, I see that John Wick actually has now been the next John Wick has been pushed to twenty twenty three. So he probably yeah. won't get nominated next year. So we have more time to dwell on this. But yeah, Keanu, uh, I love him. I, I feel like the reason he ends up on here so often is I remember a lot of people pointing out in particular one scene in the new Matrix where he's uh, yelling in a bathroom and it's just kind of embarrassing it's a little awkward yeah he still can't be super emotive necessarily when he needs to but what i love about keanu is that he always gives it a shot he's willing to go out of his comfort zone which is something that um i think we're gonna be talking about if i kept him on the list um dwayne johnson yeah where i feel like he never goes out of his comfort zone he stays in one zone where at least keanu ends up on this because he's always trying and then doesn't quite hit the mark but i love that he tries Lest, lest we forget, Dwayne Johnson is uh, one of those Fast and Furious actors that has that list of things he's not willing to let happen to him in a movie, and it includes things like lose a fight. Um, yeah. Keanu, Keanu has Reeves a mind is, to, like, well, cry. Yeah, get his ass kicked. He'll be a loser. <laughs> he's happy to play the loser. Absolutely. You know, that's why we love him. No ego. It's great. Um, he probably will never win this, but it is, I just like talking about him. He's, he's a great guy. Another another guy who seems pretty great is Mark Rylance. I, I don't know so much about his career. It's been kind of weird. Um, That's why I, I wanted to have this conversation, John, because Mark Rylance is a massively acclaimed, like, uh, you know, people people call him, like, the great actor of his generation, Uh when it comes to the stage and in the late 2000s early 2010s he's like i guess i'll start doing some movies and for some reason you know this legendary actor is staying busy playing cartoon characters he's the bft i i I don't get it i mean he's he's the bfg for some reason uh He's in Ready Player One as, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something really offensive, but we'll, we'll just go with uh, uh, autistic Gandalf. How about that? Um, in that movie, uh, that's still pretty offensive. Yeah, I apologize. Like, wow, I, just, I don't, I don't know if like maybe like how, maybe like futuristic futuristic Garth from Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he he basically plays a even more cartoonish version of that in Don't Look Up. I feel like it's um, the same character. It feels like the same voice. Yeah, except he looks crazy. Like he almost looks like he's being CGI de-aged or something in that movie. Um, but I know a lot of the actors are just wearing crazy makeup, so I assume that's what he was doing too. Um, he was even kind of cartoony in like the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, he looked really year. weird in that movie. Yeah. So, I mean, he has done some other like more serious performance. I think of Bridge of Spies. Won an He's Oscar. Got an Oscar, yeah. 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 But um <laughs> there's just to me there's just such a weird disconnect between 
who he is on the stage and and who we all get to appreciate him as uh, on the screen mm-hmm. uh and it's 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 starting to like make me not have hope that we're gonna get much out of the the screen career of of mark rylance yeah uh, and and because I, I'm not like holding a grudge against him, uh, and I I do think he is a good actor from what I've seen. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to put him in the discussion this year. Mm-hmm. I, I do kind of like that he's kind of almost consistently weird though. I'm looking at some <laughs> of his upcoming projects. Um, Luca Guadagno is doing a horror a horror movie called Bones and All. So if it's anything like Suspiria, I assume that'll be pretty weird. And he's also going to be in Terrence Malick's The Way of the Wind as Satan. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. <laughs> Do you think he'll just wear this Ready Player One wig and talk like that? Oh, hey, Jesus. Well, yeah. How's Maybe it going? You should. Oh, you don't, you don't want to go down to hell. The hell's a bad place. That's, that's where I live right now. The apple tastes real good. I think you'll like what you learn from it. <laughs> oh, God. This sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I can't decide if I feel like he's being kind of wasted in these movies or if it's just I kind of like that he's just doing consistently weird. Or, not or entirely. He- like it could be he's like fucking stayed or like movies are bullshit and I'm just gonna get paid and have fun. <laughs> yeah. Like I bet I bet that's part of it, and I bet it's also people just haven't figured out how to use him. Well, um, I mean, when I think great stage actors, I don't think I'm gonna make him do motion capture for the BFG. So yeah, I I, I think there's something going on. Um, our last uh, nominee, I think it's the one we've had before, is Saturday Night Live, SNL. Um, I think for me it was because the cast added more uh, talented people this year, and I find myself caring less and less. Um, it just it seems like they're in such a rut, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it at this point. Um, which sounds dire, um, but obviously, like, I keep coming back because I have such a deep affection for Saturday Night Live and the the fact that so many of the voices in comedy that I care about, you know, came up on SNL. Uh, it's, it's an absolute institution. Um. I guess so. I guess where I'm at is, has it been mediocre for long enough that it's tarnished its legacy and it does deserve to get something like a Bali Please Lifetime Achievement Award? I um, think it does. Um, I watched a great video from this year by this guy. I think he's kind of popular on YouTube, named Drew Gooden, and he did an episode. Uh, I did a, a YouTube video called "I Watched One SNL Episode from Every Season." And his kind of conclusion, this is like a guy who's much younger than us, too. Um, and his kind of conclusion was like, it's pretty much consistently been like this the whole time. Like, it's always been kind of weird and hit or miss and never living up to its potential. With the exception, in his opinion, 
of kind of briefly in the late 80s when like Conan and Bob Odenkirk were working on the show and they had like the first years of like Phil Hartman and Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey. That was the only period he thought really hit really strong. You know, when a lot of those guys who went on to go like to go to the Simpsons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, he says he watches like the '70s stuff. And it's really strange, and a lot of it is just so specific to the time, and doesn't make sense today. And so, I think it's fair to say that SNL has always just kind of been this kind of weird thing that has great moments, and probably still has great moments. But as a whole, is just uh, it's, I don't know if it's ever really been great. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of always been my stance on on the entirety of SNL. Is it's always been a very flawed show with lots of inspired moments and talented people involved. <laughs> like, because that's the thing is they write a whole show in a week every week for forty years. Like, with that, uh, with that constraint like of course you're gonna have off weeks where just like the cast isn't feeling it it's just it's just like yeah it's an inherently flawed (laughs) format from a a different era when variety shows were a thing and that's also kind of what's cool about it i think because there's nothing else on tv like it uh but i think uh Maybe that does make it mildly pleasing at the end of the day still. It makes sense for me. Yeah, um, I definitely think it could win, but at the same time, I think it could win next year or the year after that or the year after yeah. that. Like, I don't know if it specifically has to win this year. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, yeah. is this is Friends going to get another chance to be in this category? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, I mean, th- th- that's... Honestly, that's what I'm fighting for is for Friends or Foo Fighters or SNL. I've always wanted to give lifetime achievement to something that's not just a guy. No, I'm I'm uh, all for one of those three. Because okay. I feel like um, once we do that once, we're going to really open up our options in the future. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like, again, I have to remind myself this is an award that for something that's fine, not bad. But like in a weird way, I almost feel bad giving it to Friends because it's such a – it's so important to um, – pop culture but i mean obviously colin you've watched so much of it this year and uh, i mean i don't know whatever you think i'm fine with i guess yeah it's just overall i would say it's a, a good show it's like a and that okay. three and a half stars out of five maybe four okay. stars out of five show so i don't know if it if it deserves mildly pleasing status even though it is definitely overhyped in the culture i think for for the quality of show it is so you could make the case i don't know here's the thing i I think a lot of sitcoms you could take a scene out of context and show it to someone and be like this show's really funny you're gonna check this out you're gonna laugh Mm -hmm. and you would be able to do that I'm not sure what that is for Friends. Like, when I think of iconic moments from Friends, they're not like, oh, I'm, that's so funny. I'm going to watch that right now because I need a laugh. You know? I don't know, though. I, I have plenty of... I, I have not rewatched or attempted to rewatch Friends in years. And there's still things that I remember that I think are funny. I, maybe I'm not you, rewatching you them on YouTube give me some examples? 
when remember when Joey has to teach that uh, choreographed dance to that class that he's teaching? You remember that? The da 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 and all yeah. those really. I can do the dance. I, I we're not on like <laughs> webcam right now, but I remember the dance. Um, I don't think there's a single uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas that goes by that someone doesn't bring up the moist maker at the table. Hmm. Um, My sad. And obviously, you, you guys know how how big of a Joey fan is. I always bring up the uh, Thursday is the third day. <laughs> Monday, one day. Tuesday, two day. Wednesday, huh? What day? Who day? What day? Thursday, the third day. <laughs> he has to remember when his audition is. Mm-hmm. Ah, I just love Joey. You do love Joey. John love loves Joey, Joey the most. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Rewatching it, I think Joey's definitely up there. That's good. As far That's as good. characters, he's he's very consistently fun. Um, I mean the the trivia contest episode. Like Miss Shenandler Bog, <laughs> classic. Ah. I I remember that. Yeah. yeah. This is a oh, this is a tough spot because I feel like we're going up against something Colin is a bigger fan of to something that Sean is a bigger fan of. I don't know what the fuck to do. I almost think you just try to get just give a test and L so we don't, no one has to have any hurt feelings. Then we could just retire it from this category. I think I'm all right with SNL. Okay, because right. then we don't have to. Because obviously, there's been parts of Friends that you know we've we've loved even, and Sean used to really love Foo Fighters, and I like Foo Fighters fine. And whereas SNL is is so consistently <laughs> fine, it's it hasn't really had the same kind of highs that Friends or Foo Fighters have had. Yeah. Well. I mean, there's I mean, definitely I, maybe the, the sketch where like everyone's talking about it. I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, but it's always the you know a sketch. Like a good night will have maybe three or, or or maybe just like a good episode where the host is really locked in and they they have good sketches to work with. Like it's never an entire season that's good. <laughs> like that never happens. I th- I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Whereas like Foo Fighters will have like a whole good album and i would imagine there's at least uh one or two seasons of friends that are pretty consistent the whole way oh through. for sure i would hope so yeah Fine. no definitely so yeah based off of that i think snl now we can stop nominating it yeah <laughs> all right but, but the door is still open for keanu reeves yeah. <laughs> it's never gonna happen unless that super pets performance is just so fine <laughs> we'll see well Everybody liked Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4, so I'm sure Love he'll him. be mm-hmm. probably the best part of it. I mean, it's going to uh, be hard and, to beat Mark Marin. And, and Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk 20-whatever year that was. Oh, um, was breathtaking. Breathtaking. Um, so our next category, we're into film now, uh, is our uh, most mildly pleasing performance of the year by an actor. And our first nominee is Ansel Elgort, who starred in West Side Story, uh, even though, you know, the studios try to sort of pretend that he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't uh, that heavily marketed <laughs> in the, the promotional material. And that's fine. Like, here's the thing. 
this part is yeah. usually pretty boring anyway. It's like the guy in the original West Side Story from the 60s. I can't even remember his name. Yeah. He's just It's just not that exciting of a part. And like in this movie, once again, the guy who plays his friend, Riff, uh, actor is Mike Faced. Like he's he's way more dialed in and entertaining to watch because it's just a better part. And Ansel Elgort, he just kind of fails to trans- transcend those limitations of this character, and he's just like perfectly, perfectly okay as Tony. Uh, yeah, that's about it. He sucks. And he's, but he sucks as a person, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't reward him. He's only him. good at crying. Yeah. They're talking about, Colin, did you listen to the West Side Story episode of uh, Blank Check? Not yet. There's a great part to. where they're talking about the best performance he's ever given was in Men, Women, and Children when Dean Norris cancels his like World of Warcraft <laughs> account and he cries. Yeah. They're talking about how he can cry. They, yeah, they also had trouble talking. Like They're like, I, I like this performance, but he's, he's a shitty person, and I don't know. <laughs> it's a difficult subject. Yep. Uh, I haven't seen it, though. I want to see it. It's see real it. good. Um, surprised yeah. that Mark Rylance isn't in it. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. who he would have As played. As one of the teens? I guess he could have played Officer Krupke, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's played by Corey Stoll instead. I want to see him be one of the kids. Mm. When you're a giant. <laughs> <laughs> sure they de-age When you're a child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're a child. Love it. Um, what about um, Bob Odenkirk and Nobody? Yeah, so Bob Odenkirk had a weird year. Um, I think uh, he enjoyed a... Uh, obviously, there's a lot of hype for the the next final season of, of Better Call Saul. Um, I think his... Uh, sketch in the latest season of I Think You Should Leave is is one of people's favorites. Uh, yeah, the diner sketch. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Love it. Triples is best. <laughs> yeah, triples. Um, and uh, and uh, also uh, in his uh, you know, what, late, late 50s, uh, he got in super good shape and made an action movie with um... Uh, Ilya Nashuller, something like that. This is this is uh, the writer of the John, or no, you're talking about the director, but it's the writer of the John Wick movies, right? Right, and it's the director of um, Hardcore Henry, I think. Is, okay, is okay, yeah. I thought that name sounded familiar. Um, my internet is slow right now, so I can't double check, but I'm pretty sure that's true. No, I'm um, pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure you're right. Here, I'll, I'll check while you're talking. And um, and it's it's a fun it's a fun movie. It's um, it's sort of like a better John Wick because um, John Wick is just so simple that you're just sort of watching it for the action, um, and then it's really in the second and the third one they added a bunch of really really complicated lore that um, sort of one. I think both John and myself over on that as a franchise. Um, yeah. But that first one is just super straightforward. And 
Um, this one sort of takes the the simplicity of that, but then combines it with a a deep lore and um, you know a character that actually has emotions and motivation beyond just you know he got fucked over like when like in John Wick. Um, and and so I guess that's that's why I wanted to put him on here because he's like doing what Keanu Reeves does, but he did it better. Because he's a better actor than Keanu Reeves is. Um, and he's like not quite as good at doing the action <laughs> as Keanu Reeves is. Uh, and he's probably uh, like close to the exact same age as Keanu Reeves. So um, it's just like having it's like having Keanu Reeves up here without having him, basically. Um, but also, I think everyone you know came together uh, and, and we realized he was one of the people that somehow as a culture we all like. Um, when when Bob and Kirk had that um, heart attack on the Better Call Saul set this fall, and everyone was getting together and hoping he would be okay, and then we we're all so relieved that he was. Um, so that's an- another reason I wanted to to just talk about liking him was uh, we had that that little scare, and uh, he's he's an important man to me in in pop culture. Um, I'm glad he's still around, still kicking ass. <laughs> and you're correct, Sean. This is the same director of Hardcore Henry, his first film since Hardcore Henry. Um, really? I think he has maybe music videos or commercials or something. Uh, pretty mildly pleasing movie. I think the performance is maybe a little too good for this uh, category. <laughs> kind of but I'm glad you got like the it. chance to talk about him. Well, I would agree that it looks a little strange when he's doing some of the action, but I think otherwise um, it's really fun to see a comedic guy play this guy who seems like a seemingly normal person who's actually like this super badass. And I think he does a good job of, of convincing me of that. Um, yeah, I like him. I think, he, I think he's great. Uh, fun movie. Uh, you know, not, not an amazing movie. I, I heard they're talking about Nobody 2. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know if bob wants to do it then I'll, i guess i'll check it out you know who's having a great time is david dasmalshian at the movies this year that's right he Break had the suicide squad and doom uh two of the biggest movies of the year i think <laughs> at least two movies that everyone could watch comfortably at home on hbo max um, also two movies that seemed like he was going to have an even bigger role than he ended up having um, and he will not be getting invited back in the sequels uh, but uh, I, I hope that he uh, did enough to establish himself uh, as someone who can play more than just like a one scene you know, glorified cameo in movies Um and get some get some bigger parts going forward. I mean, he is in the Ant Man's as part of Paul Rudd's crew, so at least we'll get to see him in Quantum Mania. Hopefully, um, let's stay in the D's. Uh, Colin, what can you tell me about Don Cheadle in Space Jam: A New Legacy? Okay, so as you may or may not remember, there was a new Space Jam movie that came out this year. It was bad. Yeah, it was very bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. Don Cheadle played the villain, Algy Rhythm. 
Yeah. And you know, I don't know if this character entirely works. It, it's, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to like make a real, like functional character in a film like this that is like completely CG, and the lead is not a professional actor. But Don Cheeto like tries. He's like doing something. He's having fun. He's not going too over the top. He's not Steve Martin in Looney Tunes back in action. Like he's at about the pitch you would want for a villain in this movie. But like, it also doesn't matter because this movie is just so <laughs> soulless and just like completely a piece of corporate branding come to life. Uh, but I appreciate that Don Cheadle tried under such insurmountable circumstances. <laughs> He's a pro. Uh, gotta love him. So, yeah. So, Colin, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers uh, in the first Space Jam movie, Schwackhammer um, sends the Monstars to Earth to steal the Looney Tunes so he can bring them back to Moron Mountain as this new attraction. Um, and then later that he raises the stakes uh, he's gonna also bring back uh, Michael Jordan and let kids dunk on Michael Jordan and Moron Mountain as well yeah um, that's his evil plan in the first Space Jam movie my question for you is a simple one what was Algae Rhythm trying to do <laughs> I don't know take over the internet <laughs> take over Warner Brothers properties I, do, I, I really I can't remember <laughs> Foil the plans of uh, LeBron James's son to create a basketball video game. I, I I really don't know. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. I probably couldn't have told you his plan though if you had asked me maybe a month after I'd seen the movie because <laughs> it's uh, it's an it's... incoherent mess. <laughs> I feel like he already has taken over the internet at the start. Yeah. Um, it's it's more like his algorithm-generated movie idea was laughed at. Mm-hmm. And so he like wants to prove that it's a good idea. Yeah. Something like that. <sighs> it's, it's, it's weird to me that, like... Space Jam: A New Legacy isn't that different from Spider-Man: No Way Home. No, it's definitely like, they're they're it. they're the yin and yang of the same uh, idea, <laughs> the same bad idea. <laughs> uh, but it it is well, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about Spider-Man: No Way Home. It's just strange to me that that Space Jam got released and people instantly recognized how stupid and cynical and like incoherent from a storytelling perspective was but spider-man no way home comes out doing kind of the same thing and people think it's amazing (laughs) and it should be nominated spider-man no way home does it spider-man no way home does it even more irrelevantly because there was already spider-man into the spider so like basically this idea was already executed upon Mm -hmm. uh it's weird yeah anyway um so all the while John was looking up something, I've forgotten what it was at this point. Oh, I was looking up Did- the 1997 movie The Peacemaker starring George Clooney <laughs> and Nicole Kidman where they're tracking down uh, Russian uh, nuclear weapons or some bullshit before they get used. Um, 
Yeah. Reviews were pretty bad. It did fine at the box office, but most people said that it's just a total lack of creativity. So I, I can't recommend the Peacemaker, guys. I'm sorry. It sounds like it's it's kind of like a, a – a lot of people are describing it as like James Bond without the gadgets, women, or cars. So, <laughs> so basically Casino Royale. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's got Clooney. It's got the sheer charisma of Clooney. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever Nicole Kidman was doing in '97, so um, you know maybe it's worth being the harassed, by power. Being harassed by Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, that would've been around that time. Uh, let's talk about another kind of weird celebrity <laughs> like yeah. Tom Cruise, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. who I feel like the has rock. come up quite a bit um, in this category because he is a good actor. But he just does the same thing. He stays in one lane, which is kind of this goofy, like, I'm, I tell dad jokes, but I'm still cool. I'm still, like, handsome, though. Like, I'm not, like, an idiot. Like, Dwayne Johnson never wants to look scared. He never wants to cry. He never wants to lose in a fight, apparently. <laughs> and he's fine for chunks of Jungle Cruise. Like, what's fun about the beginning of Jungle Cruise is he's, like, um, this tugboat captain who gives tours of the Amazon. Um... And that portion kind of works. Wait, he's like like the, like the setup to the Rambo reboot, John Rambo. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Um, but it's kind of fun because I can't remember if it's the Amazon. I, it's some river, some some jungle. I think it's the Amazon. But um, his quirky dad humor works for like a guy who's like um, a tour guy. That that sort of works. But at the same time, he's doing a voice. This, not really. He's no. He's not doing anything. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, a voice. <laughs> didn't he do um, a, a Danny DeVito voice in uh, in uh, Jumanji Two? Still can't believe I haven't seen that. That's that's got to be worth seeing, right? Just for that, just for him being like, hey, I'm Danny DeVito. What's going on? I'm in a computer game. <laughs> that sounds funny. But the thing about this character is. It would be so much better if this was like a gritty character, you know, much like, I mean, clearly the the, the character they're drawing from visually um, is, you know, uh, from from African Queen. Humphrey Bogart's character has the exact look. Except if he was ripped. (laughs) If he's super ripped and like almost 400 times his size. But it's like this this character should be kind of scuzzy, kind of like a scumbag. And he's still so clean cut, and I'm so tired. Like the Rock doesn't even want to grow like extra stubble. It seems like, no, or he doesn't no. want to wear a it's dirty a shirt. Sweat. <laughs> so it's like he's he's fine, but it just like he could. This could be a great performance if he just decided to kind of dirty himself up a little bit and 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 try yeah. something. That's like why everybody I, I, in Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, in my letterbox <laughs> review, I was talking about like oh, I wish this movie starred. Another big buff guy, Dave Bautista. Um, because Dave Bautista is a guy, and this is kind of what we're talking about with Keanu, too, who's like, he's a big, tough guy, um, intimidating, charming, but he's he's not always concerned with looking cool. Like, he doesn't care. Like, he'll lose a fight. He'll play someone who's scared. I mean, even his most iconic character, uh, Drax, is an idiot. I feel like even if I feel like if The Rock was Drax, he would be like, "I'm still cool though. Like I'm dumb, but I'm still like cool though." Yeah. Well, I mean, the difference there is when Dwayne Johnson transitioned from wrestling to acting, he focused on getting 
cartoonishly muscular and when dave batista transitioned from wrestling to acting he took acting classes yeah so that's why you know i wish he had what dwayne johnson has i wish he was starring in all this stuff because i like dwayne johnson but he just he refuses to do anything different um what what he's tapped into works but it's, it's starting to run it into the ground a little bit and and it's never he's never achieved the heights of a Guardians of the Galaxy like no his, his best movie is Fast Five and yeah you know and you know it's funny that you mentioned that because that's one where he's so, he's sort of finally playing a little bit against his type he's playing an asshole which he doesn't normally do um and then in Hobbs and Shaw he immediately goes back to like but I'm funny mm-hmm. though like I'm a good guy and right? John now that you know the thing about the fights go watch every time he fights. Uh, with with Shaw, and you'll see that it's always an exact draw. Like he hits him. Once, I mean, I, I had that in mind when I watched it. Yeah, I, I definitely was noticing that when I watched it um, uh, last summer. Um, because I wouldn't dare watch that a second time. But yeah, I no, wonder. I, got I bet Jason Statham doesn't have the same writer, but he's like, come on, if if The Rock's gonna be like that, I gotta be like that too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I do wonder if Dwayne Johnson will at some point go in a totally different direction. I could imagine him maybe trying it someday, but it seems like as of right now, I don't know. He's been pretty dialed into this style for a while, though. It's hard to say. Yeah. And and I guess I, I, I haven't seen Moana. Um, I know he's got that whole other side, too, where he's, like I guess, a singer and a voice actor. So maybe that is a creative outlet for him. And he sees his live action stuff. He is good in Moana. Um, but I feel like he's still doing the same thing he always does. It just, since it's a kid's movie, it clicks. Um, but he is, that That's that might be like his best performance. Like that and probably Fast Five, yeah. Um. So who are we going to give it to this year, guys? I kind of like where, where, uh, where we're going with Don Cheadle. I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Um, it does feel weird to give any sort of positive recognition to Space Jam and Legacy. It's, it's the best thing, except for that one joke. The the Michael B. Jordan joke. Well, here's my thing, though. It's like You're Bob right. Odenkirk that was and, really and David Dasmalshan, I thought, were too good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no the one thing wants is, to. John, remember, remember, we're also trying to give an award to good performances that aren't otherwise going to get any recognition. Yeah. I don't think either of those guys are getting any. No one's talking about, oh, is Bob Odenkirk going to get an Oscar nom this year? Yeah. I mean, no, but I don't know. That Don Cheadle, it, it should be so funny to get Don Cheadle an <laughs> award. I mean, is the hardest working it's, man. It's, it's kind of like how he got like that award for uh, Winter Soldier, right? It's like <laughs> just totally out of the blue. <laughs> or he got a nomination, at least. Yeah, he's like, I don't even know. He's going to find out he got a mildly pleased award. I could also give it to The Rock, but honestly, the way we're talking about it, it almost seemed like it was you were a little more negative than mildly pleased on where he's been yeah. at recently. I mean, we, we could do it, and I'd be fine with it, but it's not so much specifically this movie. It's just it's this, it's this continuing pattern of I only want to do one thing. Yeah. Do you think we could nominate him for a lifetime achievement at some point? 
Is that, is that in the cards for him now? Yeah, I think he's yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, he's there. I, I don't... He's yeah. had enough pain in gang. Mm-hmm. God. So what are you, what are you guys um, feeling then? Well, if you don't want to award Space Jam... I would, anything, though. I, I could... <laughs> All I'm right. Fine with Dwayne Sounds Johnson. like that's the closest to a consensus pick is Don Cheese. All right. I just think it's funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> Somehow, Don Cheadle, you won yet another award. Is this what it's like at the Golden Globes and the Emmys? There's like, I guess we'll just give it to Don. <laughs> yeah, this is what they do. They have this exact same kind of conversation <laughs> behind the scenes. Um. So uh, next we're going to talk about actresses, uh, the, the most mildly pleasing performance by uh, an actress in uh, 2021. And the first nominee is one I put up. Uh, it was uh, Annie Mumolo, uh, who uh, was uh, star... Barb, I, I saw it and I can't help you. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking it up. She's, she's one of Barb and Star, uh, the titular characters who go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, she's Barb. Yeah, yeah. She's Barb. Okay, so yeah. my instinct of Star was wrong. Um, so uh, this was a uh, comedy movie uh, that was... Um, written by her and uh, Kristen Wiig. They had previously done Bridesmaids together. Um, I don't know if they've ever written anything else beyond those two comedies. Uh, But they don't have to because those are both really funny movies. And um, Barb and Stargard of Del Mar was uh, a a real fun, uh, like, early in the year treat uh, that just kind of popped up out of nowhere for me on Hulu. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a real, uh, uh, wacky comedy that's full of, of people that, um, I recognize, you know, Kristen Wiig is doing the Mike Myers thing, playing multiple parts in, in makeup. Uh, you've got, uh, Jamie Dornan, uh, the, the guy, uh, from, uh, from 50 Shades of Grey, right? Um, yep. But also uh, that Belfast movie, so like he's getting like real awards recognition. Uh, he's he's funny in this. Uh, Dan Wayne's Jr. Uh, other I think recognizable people show up, but uh, I I did not know Annie Mumolo uh, at all. Um, I don't know if she, what else she's acted in. I can't look it up right now. Um, and so I was. Uh, you know, delighted by her performance, uh, very much in the same way that, uh, um, you know, Bridesmaids sort of put um, Melissa McCarthy on the map for me, uh, being surrounded by a bunch of other, you know, SNL alums and, and the like. So um, I think she's great, and I'd like to see more of her, and so I put her up for this award. Thank you for listening to my speech. Uh, yeah, she's fine. I wasn't super crazy about this movie, actually. I, I was a little disappointed. Um, I think because I didn't like the spy angle that like it, it gets very Austin Powers and that wasn't really the direction I yeah. wanted it to go in. Yeah. I would have rather this is more of a slice of life but with two like fish out of water type characters, not 
what like not like Austin like gold member or whatever it becomes. It's it's a little weird. <laughs> um but it's still fun. I I you know, I had a I had a good time. If it was on TV, I'd probably watch it. Yeah, you know, it's something it, to put on. Colin, you haven't seen this one, right? It has our favorite thing. Your favorite running joke of all time. They which actually is. put it in a movie, which is when a town hates someone enough, they put them in a giant cannon and launch them out of town. <laughs> they actually do it in a movie. Yeah. There, there are some really good bits in this. Um, that being one of them, definitely. Actually, I really like Jamie Dornan. It's like he sings like a song about seagulls or something. That I thought was pretty good. Yeah. There's great, there's great moments. Just overall, he plays a, a weird. really interesting character. You, I feel like I never really knew where that character was going. No. Very strange. It's a good sport. Uh, someone else's good sport is Emily Blunt. Oh, I feel like I, I I love Emily Blunt, but I feel like she's been in this category quite a bit because she does so many kind of generic blockbusters. But at the same time, it's like you know, good for her for like getting the work. You know, like it's there can't be a lot of good roles for women in like blockbusters. So you know, she's she's giving it. Her, her best go and i think this is probably one of her more successful performances in recent years i don't know i guess she's good in a quiet place um which also came out this year some quiet right? place 2 came out this year i didn't see it i bet that was that pretty good did it, did it sneak out at the end of 2020 or was that this year that it came out? i that that, that that one's hard to track because covid pushed it around so many COVID times. kept pushing it because it was going to come out in March of 2020 originally. I think it might have come out in March or April of this year. I just of feel like that was the okay. first big theater hit of this year. Because it wasn't released on streaming. It was only released in theaters. And people actually went to see it because it was around the time uh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. that COVID cases were starting to go down. Yeah, pre-Delta. Yeah, I just I swear they're like bags of chips with a Quiet Place two on them in like 2019. Like it just seems like it took <laughs> so long for it to come out. I should watch that. I like yeah. I like the first Quiet Place. Um, we're talking Jungle Cruise. This is pretty much the uh, uh, the same character Rachel Vice plays from The Mummy, except a little less interesting. Where it's like someone who's like uh, more of a kind of a smart, fancier person is out this action scenario. Oh no. But uh, she's she's solid. She puts like I said, she puts in the work, gets the job done. Um, weird does not really have chemistry with Dwayne Johnson, but I don't know if any woman does. <laughs> <laughs> There's something very about Dwayne weird. Johnson that feels very yeah. asexual. Yeah, in He's, all of his yeah. roles, so it's, it's always only weird. love is his body. It's only love is his body. <laughs> it's just weird anytime there's any hint of even a romance or uh, you know maybe i'm being i I think also he has big dad energy um so like it seems like a lot of time he becomes a father figure to the young women in his movies instead of a potential love interest Mm -hmm. uh i would like even hobbs and shaw like that was the vibe i got even though it's supposed to be a a sort of romantic tension um but I think Emily Blunt does the best she can with the role. Here, here's my rewrite. Just I just came up with it right now. Make her the tugboat captain. Make her the scummy tugboat captain who does tours and then has to take people on an adventure. 
Dwayne not? Johnson's the academic. <laughs> uh, Dave Bautista's the academic. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he wears those tiny glasses. <laughs> some <and> tiny <laughs> glasses on him. He has these tiny glasses. Like, oh dear. Uh, they like shrink him down though, right? He's just so burly. Yeah, they do um, Captain America 1 technology on him. <laughs> to make a little yeah, small yeah. Dave Batista. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. You actually, you know who else is in Yikes. this movie who should also also be the captain? We need, There's so many people who could have played this role better than Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Paul Giamatti's in this movie, and I would have loved to see him oh as the tugboat. Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, just you, rewatched. Yeah. I'll go ahead. He plays like a dock owner, some some like ship owner who has a parrot on his shoulder and a big hat. He's over the top, and it's amazing. Great. Um, should we talk about Gal Gadot in Zack Snyder's Justice League? So things were bad for Gal Gadot going into 2021 because 2020 gave us uh, at the beginning her Imagine video. And at the end, <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984, uh, a movie that I think collectively we were fine on, but oh, yeah. uh, uh, America hated. Oh, yeah, we're smooth. Um, did uh, a few months later, uh, our, our return to Wonder Woman in Zack Snyder's Justice League redeem her? Uh, I mean, I don't know. She's fine. <laughs> kind of my thing with Gal Gadot, now that I've seen, you know, I, I watched the Fast movies that I hadn't seen that she's in, or that I'd forgotten about. I'd forgotten that she was in them. Yeah. And I watched <laughs> Keeping Up with the Joneses, that immortal classic from a handful of years ago with uh, Zach Galifianakis. Sure, sure, Donahan, sure. Fisher. I've kind of come to the conclusion that she's just not very good, but... She, she kind of works with Wonder Woman because she kind of feels like she has that fish out of water thing kind of down where she just right. feels she, kind of out exactly. of place. And that's a good which energy the, for uh, Wonder Woman. Which is the problem with 1984 because they, they flipped it and they made Chris Pine the one who's the fish out of water. That, yeah, that that um, was that was a problem, yeah. That was dumb. But she's more uh, and I'm guessing that's also the problem with Red Notice, where she's supposed to be oh, the God. greatest thief in the world. No, I, I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. But I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I think she's back to more uh, comfortable territory in Justice League. Because um, it seems like most people are pretty positive on this movie. I'm pretty okay with it. I'm fine with it. Um, I don't think we needed it's... to put in all the extra resources to make it happen, but whatever. <laughs> I'm glad people are happy. Yeah. Well, except now they're furious because of all the rumors about the Flash multiverse movie. True. Yeah. Well, there's there's always something around like, the corner to piss people. Away. They they gave they gave people this false hope that Zack Snyder's Justice League would turn into uh, Warner Brothers giving Zack Snyder billions of dollars to make a bunch of superhero movies, which is not the case and also the movie he set up at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League is a movie I extremely don't want to ever see anyways I'm happy no 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 <laughs> definitely not I want, I want to know what happens though you talking about the future this like the yeah time? they, yeah, they set up like absolutely not <laughs> they set up okay so the so Colin what you need to know about know, Justice actually, League now I'm, now I'm rethinking it sounds complicated we should just move on <laughs> 
you're just when you're starting to wind yourself up. I was like, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, uh, Gal Gadot's also in the trailer for Death on the Nile. Um, I think oh, she's yeah. the Death on the Nile, uh, which sounds like a good role for her. Um, but also, I just wanted to bring up that trailer because Army Hammer's all up in that business. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it seems like he's in it too much to where they can't take him out of it. The, 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 the studio went out and said it was too expensive to reshoot this whole movie because he's too pivotal a role, so he's just in it. Especially when this uh, movie is going to make no money. Yeah. No well, money. Well, but that's the thing. That's the thing they don't know because um, the other one, uh, Murder, Murder on, on the Orient Express. Express did make a lot of money yeah, and well. and uh, i mean i don't know if belfast is is doing anything besides getting awards hype but you know kenny brown needs another hit uh sure so what you saw artemis foul oh god yeah i did i forgot about that you was, know it's true he needs that hit yeah you know what i forgot is that Russell Brand is also in Death on the Nile. And I don't know if you guys have been following him, but he's kind of low-key become a really bad guy. Oh, really? He has, a, he has a very weirdly conservative YouTube channel where he, like, you know, hmm. talks to weirdo alt-right people and, like, hears them out. And, like, it goes easy on him and kind of sides with them. And it's really popular with uh, a more conservative audience. And it's just so oh, fucked sure. up. Um, I feel like if if uh, see you guys didn't even know about any of this stuff. If more people become no. aware of this stuff, um, yeah, he'll probably get canceled too. He's, he's That's so because uh, I mean, Letitia Wright is also in that trailer, and she's oh, no! going to cancel too. It's I'm shocked that the cast of this movie is going so sideways. Damn it! Well, it sucks because like you can't put Christopher Plummer in this. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Maybe Tignataro can he chose, pull a couple of these roles. He chose, uh, he chose Knives Out. Like, that's his Agatha Christie-esque universe. That's true. That's true. I still like my idea of, of replacing Army Hammer with the guy who played the other twin yeah. in the social network who got his face <laughs> taken out of the film. Because <laughs> that guy has since gone on to be uh, somewhat successful, I think. Um, can't for the life of me remember his name, but yeah, come on, give give back. Um, it's funny how much we're talking about Death on the Nile. I am kind of like interested. Did you guys see Murder on the Orient Express? No, no. I just really enjoyed the mustache. I'm kind of curious to see it, just to see why were people so taken by it. Is it just maybe just the strength of that original story that it's it's still so yeah, good? That- I'm sure. I mean that. The- those Agatha Christie murder mysteries are fun. Like, yeah. there's no doubt about it. It's a really enticing formula that we don't see a lot of these days. I think that these two movies plus Knives Out are it for that whole genre in right. the past five years. Yeah. Um, just a shame that they're putting together like the most problematic cast they could. Yeah. Whereas Knives Out 2, you guys been checking that Knives Out 2 cast? I know it's stacked, but I have no idea who's in it. It's fantastic. I mean, obviously, you got Daniel Craig. You got you got Batista. You got Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, <laughs> nice. Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick from Matrix Resurrections. Wow. 
and Kate Hudson. Fantastic. Good people. I'm I'm here for Jessica Hedwick breaking out. Yeah, she's Good cool. Wasn't she like up for Ray like a long time ago or something? Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like she'd been up for big roles in the past. And I think was even offered something big opposite Matrix Resurrections and she picked Matrix Resurrections. I can't remember what that other role would have been. Yeah. Um I see she still is in Force Awakens in a small role. Maybe she's like a pilot or something. I don't remember. Yeah, well, and she played someone who was cool in um, in Game of Thrones, and then that whole plot got thrown down the garbage disposal for some reason. And then, um, and then she was great on the uh, the Netflix Marvel shows, but then also that whole universe got thrown down the drain for some reason. Uh, except for now, Vincent D'Onofrio is back on Hawkeye, so may- maybe maybe they'll bring her back. Hitting at the right time. Knives Out 2, I hope, is out this year. They, they definitely finished it, so we'll see. Is, uh, is it going to be on... Is it like an Amazon movie? It's or a Netflix. Netflix yeah. Yeah, we'll get it. Right to Netflix, just like Don't Look Up. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. She's, she's back. Funny. She's back. Why, did, why was, did she go away? Um, I think she took a break, right? I think so. Okay. Definitely seemed like there was yeah. a point though where people like really hated her for some reason, and I, at least at the time, I remember thinking like maybe she's just trying to like wait for that all to die down. But I never really understood all of that vitriol that came yeah, her way. Yeah, I, I I don't know what she did that was wrong. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think like I thought for actress. They don't have to do much, but then they're like, "Oh, I hate that person." But for an actor, you could get away with like for a male actor, you get away with so much before you get canceled or or, or you know, ignored. Yeah. It's bullshit. I mean, Jared Leto's still out there. He's got oh. Morbius coming. <laughs> he out makes this he year. make it a pizza. <laughs> he make it a pizza. We'll get to that soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I she is. The co-lead in, in Don't Look Up, I think you would you would say that uh, her and Leonardo DiCaprio are are the two main characters of that movie. Um, I, and and in a movie with a really stacked cast, I mean, it, like it's got Mark Rylance and Meryl Streep as well. Um, she she is a, a both a, a sympathetic character that you uh, you really feel for her and and what she's going through. Uh, and also a, a funny character because this is this is a comedy. Um, they've they've got this recurring joke about um, a, a, a general who sort of like nickel and dimes their their group into paying for free snacks, uh, and she's just like she's she's pissed about it, but it's not about like the money. It's just like why would he do this? He's so successful. He doesn't need our money. Why would he do this to us? And uh, and she just keeps coming back to it in unexpected scenes, and uh, I think those are some of the biggest laughs in the whole movie. Uh, partly because the movie is so infuriating that <laughs> you almost don't want to laugh. Um, but I, yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, I'm glad she's back. I think aren't her and Adam McKay doing another movie together? Coming up. 
Um, I thought they were. Hold on. Scroll. This is super fun hearing me scroll through Wikipedia. Yeah, get in there. Well, you're the only one who can scroll between the three of us, so we're all counting on you. Um, Bad Blood about that whole Theranos, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Do you guys kind of remember that headline? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she she just got sentenced. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence was going to be in that. There's only a movie being made of it. Oh, cool. It's like it seems like pretty good casting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Um, I've been kind of iffy on um, Adam McKay these days now that he's more, I don't know, political. Um, but I don't know. This is interesting. Like, Don't Look Up is an interesting movie. I liked it fine. Um, he's, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm down to see him c- continue down this rabbit hole. At least for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we're we're not going to get another Talladega Nights. So. I mean, he, yeah, him and Will Ferrell are, are broken up, so that's not happening. So we'll just keep those fun fun memories in the past, you know. Well, but also those types of comedies like don't get made anymore. Just doesn't happen. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah. But the kind of comedies that do get made are House of Gucci, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the weird thing about this movie. <laughs> it's that like the some of the acting choices are very they're they are so heightened that it does almost feel like they're in a comedy. I mean, especially Jared Leto in this movie really over the top i thought about nominating him for most mildly pleasing actor but i'm just like i'm not even i don't know i guess i come out on the side of it being a fun performance even though it's maybe not right for the movie but i don't even know if the movie knows what's right for it honestly um Colin, did you see all... the sag nominations today i didn't jared leto got a sag nomination of course. I think he's, yeah, I feel like he's just going to get nominated for an Oscar in a ridiculous performance. The SAG nominations are fucking insane this year. They look like the Golden Globes. Yeah. They totally fucked up. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, this performance uh, from Lady Gaga in House of Gucci... I guess I like overall. It's just weird how it has this baggage of like how playing this part ruined her life because she went so method on on it, in it, around it. I don't know. She just lived this character. Uh, and you watch the performance and you're like, could, could, could she have come up with a more believable accent? If she's spending that much time <laughs> in this character, but maybe she just committed to this ridiculous accent so hard that she was like, "This, this <laughs> over-the-top accent is just going to become my truth," and uh, yeah, that's that's just how she approached it. Um, well, yeah, that was her thing, right? She said, "Like I became this character. I started to live like this character." <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> it's it's a little insane. It's a perfectly fine uh, performance. I liked yeah. her in it overall. She's very good with Adam Driver. Uh, they make a good couple in this. Adam Driver's pretty great in this movie, actually. But who who, who cares? Because this movie's just like fine overall. <laughs> Still stoked to see it though. I can't wait to watch this. Because mm. um, it's going to get a bunch of Oscar nominations, I guess. <laughs> why not? Ugh, I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's got the, it's got the SAG nominations, and that's sure. usually an indicator. It's, um, Jared uh, Leto and yeah. and Lady Gaga probably nominated for Oscars now. Hmm. Those those pretentious things she was saying are exactly the sort of things that like Daniel Day Lewis would also say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Who knows where this is gonna go? This could be her Oscar, and I think she deserves it. Let her have it. <laughs> but are we Maybe. also gonna give her a mildly pleased award? <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not. Sure. I'm not sure what the clear-cut winner is here it's only blunt one before you you said she's been nominated i feel like she was nominated for oh god now i have to look it up right i don't remember i just feel like she has right she must have been no she was actually nominated for the first mildly pleased awards that we were just talking about oh wow huh for, for the five-year engagement oh my gosh I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. And then she was also nominated in 2014 for Edge of Tomorrow. Hell yeah. I feel like that might be too good. Though I feel like yeah. Sean and I have different definitions of what deserves a mildly pleasing award for acting. I mean, she didn't win. Well, yeah, I... She lost to Jennifer Garner in Draft Day. <laughs> so maybe it was I get I I totally understand and appreciate your justification, John, and your reasoning. I kind of like that because it it seems less mean spirited <laughs> than my approach. Yeah, we we don't want there to be a negative angle to these. No, stories. no, definitely not. I like, like a lot of these people. There there is a negative connotation to mediocre, but that's not really what we're going for it's never really mediocre yeah i don't know i guess for me it's about riding Flawed. the line but that's just so hard to to figure out sometimes um so my, i don't know what my favorite of these is Ugh. I don't like looking at this 2014 one and one of the events nominated is we didn't all die of ebola Oh my god! Yeah, and and that experience is what uh, made COVID so scary at the start. Was mm. uh, there were people who were like, "Hey, it's just the flu. We've been through this before. Remember the Ebola scare? Forget about it." <laughs> and now there are still people who are like, "Hey, it's just the flu." Yep. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I think... Um, should we give it to Lady Gaga? I, I, I think it's funny. I really am leaning that way. Yeah, because I it, it right, sounds like a fun, fun movie. I'm looking forward to seeing Lady Gaga in the Mario movie. I'm calling <laughs> this, or as I've uh, called it multiple times, House of Gotti. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. 
Hope you get. I hope you're excited to talk about it some more. In a oh, little yeah, bit. I, yeah. Don't, I don't think I have much more to say about it, but I bet you got a lot to say about our first film. That's right. It's the. Uh, it's the, oh, yeah, the, the most mildly pleasing. Mildly pleased uh, film. Film. That's correct. The big um, one. The one we're finishing out the night with. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I put here. Uh, to talk yeah, about because I I don't really know where I don't really know what to make of it. I almost feel like I need to see it again, and I would be I would actually look forward to watching it again because I didn't tell you guys. Um, so I wanted to watch this last weekend, and um, I thought it was on VOD, um, but yeah. it was only on it was like twenty dollars. I'm like, okay, so it's a twenty dollar rental, whatever. No, it was twenty dollars to buy. So I actually bought it to watch it so i own it now so i can watch it whenever i want um but yeah it seems like going into it most of the people most people's criticism of this movie is like oh it's just it's nothing but nostalgia it's nothing but callbacks it's nothing new it's all fan service but i don't know i'm watching this movie and yeah it has shitload of references but at the same time i think you could watch this movie having never seen another Ghostbusters movie and still appreciate it and enjoy it. Because the thing is, it doesn't really feel like a Ghostbusters movie. It feels like a Spielberg Amblin movie. It feels like Super 8. Uh, that's the movie I'd say it feels the most like in just its depiction of the, of kids growing up. And then just it kind of has that Spielberg look to it. And it kind of captures like an 80s whimsy and magic. Uh, that being said, story-wise, it doesn't yeah. do anything that unique or special. It still goes through Gozer and the dogs and the gate master or, or key master or whatever, all that bullshit. Marshmallow men are back. Like it, It's not bold in the way that it doesn't want to try anything too different, which I think hurts it. Um. But yeah. it's tough though because like I think the effects are done super well. I think it's well cast. I like seeing the Ghostbusters pop up at the end of this movie, um, even though yeah they've lost a little bit of a step. Especially um, actually, Bill Murray felt the most out of place for me. He just didn't feel super dialed into me. What a surprise! Um, <laughs> probably wasn't. That's whereas like why. Dan Aykroyd is you know is kind of like fat and jowly and, and kind of like just weird but I, I feel like he still is like passionate about Ghostbusters so he still feels right for these movies um and Ernie well, Hudson right. looks because, fantastic because he, he believes be in, in the occult <laughs> yeah, he, he believes in all this uh based off his own personal experiences um and then a very controversial decision of having ghost Harold Ramis in this movie um, I kind of like it. I teared up like an idiot. Um, I think the effect looks good. Uh, his family was on board. They liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a fine, fine movie. It, it wasn't doing anything super adventurous, but I thought the execution was totally solid. And is I feel Sigourney like Weaver in it. She is in a mid-credit sequence. <laughs> Her and Bill Murray are playing that game from the first movie where it, like, tries to predict what's on the cards, and if you get it wrong, you get a shock. So she's, like, shocking Bill Murray. 
And it's got an end credits, post credit sequence where Ernie Hudson's like, maybe he's going to restart the Ghostbusters in New York or something. Which is an excellent idea. If they did like a Creed type thing where like he's like the mentor to the, <laughs> these new young Ghostbusters. Because he's great. He looks fantastic. Love, love Ernie. Is Annie Potts in it? She is. <laughs> She's like handling Egon's estate. She shows up at the beginning when they first get their um, that house that Egon died in. Is Rick Moranis in it? Uh, that's the one they, they didn't get because he's pretty much retired except for the uh, the Goldbergs cameo and that weird cell phone commercial that he's in with Brian Reynolds. But no, everybody's back. I liked it, but I didn't. It, yeah, like I said, it's not doing anything that adventurous. But I don't think it deserves the hate that I feel like a lot of the letterbox community has given it. I feel like that's the people that hate it this time. <laughs> Whereas the people that hated the female Ghostbusters movie was your, more your general public. Uh, and that is also a movie that I like, so go figure. I think that go movie figure. is more like what the Ghostbusters should be, which is like a goofy comedy. This is something different, but I kind of think it works too. Does House of Gucci work? <sighs> no, not not quite. Like it, it's almost there. It's almost kind of fun. But I just feel like Ridley Scott's a little too on autopilot here, doing kind of a, a like, a, you know, a, a kind of a, a story about someone coming from nothing, entering in this this new world of, uh, of the Gucci fashion uh, empire, and then eventually squanders it. It's it's just it's very much like a, a Goodfellas but less thrilling formula, which really Scott kind of already did with American Gangster a long time ago. Um, and he gave the actors no notes about their <laughs> accents. <laughs> Just let them do whatever they want. Run buck wild. Uh, really shows Adam Driver's restraint that he, he pulled together a coherent performance. Uh, while having to act opposite uh, Jared Leto in this movie. Um, John just posted Ridley Scott's Wikipedia photo. He, he, looks he definitely grumpy. looks pissed off at You know what I think he's pissed off? Yeah, exactly. Millennium. <laughs> in this picture. Because <laughs> they didn't go to see The Last Duel. I think uh, this is the problem, though, is that we just don't get his movies because we're millennials. That's true. Damn millennials. Yeah. I cannot believe he is 84 years old and had two movies out in 2020. It's crazy. In- insane. Gotta, gotta give him props. I just don't know if uh, <laughs> he should still be <laughs> directing movies. It's got it's already working on, on the next one. Yeah. For Apple TV Plus. I'm sure he's thrilled about that. Making an internet movie. Um, Some for the millennials this time. A movie that went to HBO Max. Uh, yeah. And we reviewed on this. Well, not on this show, but on our regular gig, the the pick. It's not really a gig because we don't get paid. 
but we have a lot of fun. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark. Was so a, many saints. So many saints. Uh, yeah, it's a Sopranos se- prequel, actually. Uh, yeah, it was fine. It just was a weird story to tell because the conclusion we came to was that Dickie Moltisante, who the movie revolves around, is just kind of a loser. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's also sort of the lesson that Sopranos is trying to teach us is that despite the money and the women and the power, these guys are jokes. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed returning to this universe, but it, it, I definitely did not think about this movie much after after I saw it, which is not really what you want from The Sopranos, because, like, yeah. the show is, is one of the best things ever. And, of course, the Sopranos heads who are, like, you know, still checking in on the Sopranos subreddit every day now... Mm-hmm hated this movie (laughs) yeah I liked fine maybe it should have been a TV show yeah maybe I can't remember where I settled on that can we just move on to the main event (laughs) can we just skip the one after that too I don't really want to talk about it we we could yeah okay Okay. we're not going to talk about Justice League Sex Justice League Okay. It's fine, whatever. You know, it's, yeah, it's good, I guess. It's I, too goddamn long. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like a main event. Okay. Spider-Man No Way Home. We put it up there. I don't think it's the only Marvel movie that deserves to be in this conversation. I think The Eternals um, also had a lot of things going for it, but also had some problems. Uh, and, and Black Widow as well. Uh, uh, a movie that I liked, but I know other people thought was tedious. Um, could have contended in this category. Um, but what we have to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home is it does so many things that go against what makes the Marvel Universe compelling and just barely gets away with it um that i'm terrified that this is the direction things are going in with the new doctor strange movie uh, it's 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 the direction they flirted with in the other doctor strange movie and wandavision and certainly in loki it's even what dc's um, gonna do now with their flash it's movie. what dc's doing now it's <laughs> what they already did again i can't hit enough how weird it is that they already made Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and then they still made this Spider-Man movie. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and and I'm coming at this from someone who enjoyed like a lot of the moments in this movie and and I think rated it more highly than either of you on, on Letterboxd. Um, but like the thing that makes the Marvel movies compelling is that it's a connected universe and things are changing. And, and and the appeal of this new phase was seeing like what life is like after uh, Thanos erased people and brought them back and, and superheroes save the the whole universe. And, uh, and that, and that was such, it was the best part of, of the last Spider-Man movie, the second Spider-Man movie far from home. 
um, which is which is, ends up being my favorite of the Spider-Man trilogy, uh, because now they're fucking obsessed with multiverses and time travel, and it just feels like like it doesn't matter that it's connected anymore because it's all bullshit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like they could it's, introduce it's, anything. It, like fucking Neo from the yeah. Matrix could could jump in there with. <laughs> You know the the Lord of the Rings characters. Like, who cares? We, we, yeah, we've we've gone behind the curtain. We've seen that the wizard is just a man, <laughs> and it's like, well, now what? How do we, we? We can't go back to pretending now. Why have you done this to me? Yeah, it's a little strange. It kind of makes it hard to get invested in these characters and their stories when you know that their timelines and events can be rearranged and switched out and that there's so many different versions of each character and there's no rules like you you (laughs) see that happening kind of in real time in this movie also because you just like the movie starts out being about tom holland spider-man and then you just kind of lose interest in him by the end of the movie because you get distracted by spider-mans from from years past coming back who are like fun to hang out with but it's just it just it's it just seems like they're there for nostalgia's sake at the end of the day they serve very little storytelling purpose yeah and i wholly agree i'm more excited about toby mcguire and andrew garfield than i am tom holland during the last act of this movie um Mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense it's it's supposed to be the big emotional finale. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, the completion of Tom Holland Spider-Man's journey from uh, you know, being a regular person to being a superhero. Um, but I'm just distracted with, you know, moments like uh, you know, Tim McGuire complaining his back hurts, or Andrew Garfield getting to to save MJ to make up for uh, for Gwen's death in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, and just like the more you think about it the more it fucks things up it's it's infuriating to me I can't I can't enjoy it because I can't switch my brain off I mean it's also it's just uh, it was such a weird experience like I enjoyed watching this movie when I was watching it because it did tap into that that what you call a toxic impulse of nostalgia even though I didn't even have nostalgia for Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man but like it was still fun I guess to see him there but then uh, you know once Mm -hmm. I left the theater once I moved on with my life like that feeling receded (laughs) and the more I thought about this movie I was just like there's nothing there this this movie means nothing and it became even more depressing seeing that like fans fucking love this movie like critics gave it a pass it's currently number 19 on imdb's top 250 films it's it's now sitting in front of seven samurai it's like (laughs) jesus christ is this what people want it's it makes me sad in a way that you know what seven samurai is missing is it didn't have the ninja turtles in it (laughs) they'd shown up yeah need some more help dude (laughs) 
and maybe people would have got it. Yeah, I I think part of, okay. So like in a connected universe, but in in like basically every Marvel movie, uh, even the ones where we didn't really know it was connected, there's always some exciting cliffhanger to uh to, to keep you coming back for more, and at the end of this movie. Uh, basically the only arc they have set up for Peter Parker is literally just make Spider-Man 2 again, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the post credit scene is just literally a fucking trailer for another movie. <laughs> like, they couldn't even think of anything. It's like, well, I guess we'll just sneak the trailer in. People have to hold their pee for an extra 15 minutes so they can watch a fucking trailer that's going to be on YouTube <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just assume Marvel's kind of out of ideas. Like, I I was very <laughs> skeptical that they would be able to continue this incredible hot streak that they had for so many years after Endgame. And it, I mean, I'd be very surprised if they could turn it around at this point, even though, like, it, it uh, from... Spider-Man No Way Home's box office numbers. I'm sure they'll continue to be successful, but I don't know if the movies will will be that good. So, I mean, here's my thing. Um, Hawkeye had a, a, a great plot. It was just, uh, you know, uh, closing the, the loop on some of his dangling threads. Mm-hmm. Um, but Captain America and the Winter Soldier had uh, a really interesting premise that they kind of bungled. And Shang-Chi had a great story that was totally unrelated to everything else that's going on in all these movies. And The Eternals, uh, which I think is kind of a tedious movie for most of its runtime, actually has a fantastic ending that got me all sorts of hyped up for future Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and the one thing those all have in common is they're not doing time travel bullshit and they're not doing multiverse bullshit. It just... That it just breaks the stakes for me. That's that's what it comes down to. It, it's, yeah. I don't like when it's like hey, there's infinite Peter Parkers. It's like well then why do I care about Peter Parker? And and if Doctor Strange can erase people's memories, then why didn't he use that to make Thanos forget about the Infinity Stones? And if Doctor Strange can rewind time, uh, why didn't he just you know rewind time to a point where he could get all the Infinity Stones? I mean there's it's, it's like, because Sean, they wanted to bring back <laughs> old Spider Mans into a new Spider Man, so people yeah, could clap they, in the they, theater when they show up. That's it. They have, they have an animated movie for that, though. Yeah, but it doesn't have <laughs> Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in it. It could have. Yeah, but like. They had an opening and they had to take it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being extra hard on this uh, just because I've been carrying around this baggage for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I liked the movie, but um, I hate multiverses almost as much as I hate time travel. <laughs> yeah, dude. Maybe more. Everybody just showing up, getting a round of applause. It's just like an SNL Five Timers Club sketch. <laughs> We're like, it's fun. The initial excitement of seeing everyone pop up is fun, but then you're thinking about that later, and you're like, 
That's kind of dumb, though, that they all just showed up like that. Right? <laughs> yeah. it didn't, they didn't make a joke. They were, just the joke was that they're there. And I, and yeah. I, I definitely worry, yeah, that it's going to fuck everything up from a logistical standpoint. But then also that they're going to be too afraid when it comes to introducing... Like, what happens when they get to the X-Men? That's what I'm so excited about. The X-Men are my right? favorite Marvel characters. Are they going to, like, piggyback them at the end of, like, Fantastic Four 2... And then people are going to be upset by whoever they cast as Wolverine, so they're going to bring in Hugh Jackman Wolverine from a different dimension. <laughs> Anything can happen. Or are they going to be? Or are they going to be like the X Men are invading our reality from another reality? Oh my god! Like that doesn't work with the premise of these characters. Um, yeah, Doctor Strange ruined everything, and I think that we need to kill him. <laughs> See, I mean, the, the thing is. Like Doctor Strange and and to a lesser extent Scarlet Witch have had these powers and they've been like okay up until 2021. Um, you know, Doctor Strange used time travel, but in fun ways that you, you didn't have to like worry about how that affects continuity. Um, and and you know, WandaVision did its reality altering thing, but just as uh, as the setup for the premise of a TV show and not as something that's actually changing the reality of, of the Marvel Universe. Um, but then with with Loki and now uh, What If and Spider-Man and this next Doctor Strange movie, I'm, I'm really worried that it's just going to make it impossible to care about the continuity, which it's like after 20-whatever movies, why are you throwing that away? Why are you doing this? What? what is there to gain? And, and, and it's like Colin said, like, well, you could get the audience to applaud because <laughs> Andrew Garfield showed up. Yeah. I kind of liked Loki though. <laughs> That's the problem. The stuff isn't bad enough. They need to make the stuff more yeah. bad so that people are pissed <laughs> off. At least. Well, no, I mean, that's the silver lining at least it's not yeah. bad. It's just, they're making it way more complicated for for bad reasons for for fan service these they they know they can make these movies tighter and better you're just talking about shang chi like they know they can do with these isolated good stories but i don't know for some reason when it comes to the heavy hitters like spider-man they gotta do something like this which is which is fun initially fun but in the long term we're gonna be like that was they probably could have done something better than that right Probably should have done that. <laughs> Probably should have done that. Yeah, Sling Blade gonna show up? <laughs> it's possible. It'll be Peter Parker's only <laughs> friend in the out. new one. <laughs> That'd be good, right? He's just a boy. Get this new one. We'll get um, we'll get Raimi back because he's doing Doctor Strange, so he's back in the mix. He'll just remake Spider-Man Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? Because <laughs> who knows anything? About I mean, Tony. what what are they gonna do? They're not gonna. Are they just gonna? The alternative is we just don't see MJ and Ned again, and I don't think they're gonna do that. So it's gonna be the same. The lesson from Spider Man Two, where it's too hard to be Spider Man by yourself. You need to share the burden of your secret identity with some people. Uh, so eventually, at the end of the movie, he's gonna tell Ned and MJ, or they're gonna find out on their own. And they'll be friends again at the end. They'll be like, well, great. I'm glad we went on this whole two-movie odyssey to get back to where we were at the end of Far From Home. 
don't know, dude. But I also sort of feel like Spider-Man No Way Home is too good for this award. Jesus, I think it's too bad, to be honest. I think it's just right for, like, the yeah. three bears. Okay. Well, then maybe maybe that makes it, it, it even out that it is right for the award. I mean, if we're going to give it to something that's just straight middle of the road... I mean, you got Gucci and Saints of New York right there. Yeah. They're right there. They're just sitting there begging for that attention. These are movies that just, yeah, beg to be seen on a plane. Or if you see No Way Home on a plane, I don't know. That's going to be too distract, too loud, too noisy. You're going to be jumping up in your seat too much. Yeah. You're going to be crying. you be clapping. you be yelling comments at the movie. Like, that's my Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy in the theater. He loved it. Yeah. Was that the same guy at the end who was like, that, that was so good. <laughs> he had a great I'd, night. I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, I could give it to the Saints of Newark. That'd be so funny. We spent all this time talking about Spider-Man. They're like, oh, I'm going to Saints of Newark. <laughs> it's, we, we're too passionate about Spider-Man, I think. We need something that we're too basically indifferent about. <laughs> the thing is, I would I would watch No Way Home again and probably still have a lot of the same excitement in those scenes, those five timer club scenes. Yeah. Makes sense in New York. I think For I'd sure. be a little less interested. Be like, oh yeah, okay. Like, despite everything I said, I did not give a fuck about the like. I hated the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and Andrew Garfield was my favorite Spider-Man. Best Spider-Man, I guess. That's that's because it's good. Um, Willem Dafoe is great. Uh, Alfred Molina is good. I'm happy for Jamie Foxx. I didn't give a shit about his character. <laughs> but I'm happy he's happy. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. They are all good in it. But I I I don't know why it exists. <laughs> All right, I'll let Colin. I'm I'm giving my vote to you. What do you want it to be? <laughs> I think I'm okay with Betty Saints of Newark. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the funniest. Do you want it to be Spider-Man? <laughs> no, let's make it Betty Saints of Newark. I just think do it. It inspired too much passion that went beyond mildly pleasing. Whether whether good or bad, it's it's uh, too, yeah. It's like we hate it and love it or something. I I don't really understand where I stand <laughs> that movie. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it doesn't need anything from us. Like it's it's one of the biggest movies of all time. Commercially, it's apparently one of the biggest movies of all time. Critically, at least with the fans. I mean, it's gonna sweep the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> Even though it does not have the best kiss. They'll give it best kiss. They'll give Taylor it like made Spider-Man best category. trio reunion special with Spider-Man. <laughs> Something very specific that only it could win. <laughs> um. So uh, after ten years, lesson learned: we can take some categories away, but it doesn't make the Milestone no. Awards go any we faster. Still end up being here for three hours. <laughs> God, we just can't help it. Um, I wish you guys could have heard the version of the podcast. I just heard where you guys sounded like silence the whole time. Oh no! Um, 
<laughs> it was uh, a lot of fun, but I think I understood most of everything he said. Um, and uh, and it was it was fun to do this. Uh, so um, head over to mildlyplease.com where we're gonna actually talk about the things we, we like super liked the most, like our, our absolute favorite stuff of 2021. Uh, we, we we we're doing albums, TV shows, and, and movies. Uh, and then maybe I'll do something for, for video games. Who knows? Um, and uh, and we're also going to be doing a uh, most anticipated of the year podcast uh, pretty soon. So um, look forward to that, and we'll probably go back to doing the pick sometime around after that. <laughs> um, so uh, subscribe to my link, please, on on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever else. You you, you 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 use to find podcasts, and uh, uh, we'll speak to you next time. Tell me that you're coming.